Howdy do who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 247. Oh yes. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes. And it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Hey, Who fans. Hope you're well. You've all had a cracking week. And you've all managed to do something, something Doctor, Doctor Who, Who related. Related. There's plenty to get your teeth into at the minute. Mm, is indeed. I say that with a sense of irony, as we don't have any news <laughs> to go through this week. Uh, but we do have some cool merch. But there is a few uh, a few rumours knocking around, uh, which surfaced the other day, which are quite interesting. And we also have the the trailer, which is going to be out in the next few days. So when's it out? The 23rd, isn't it? 23rd, yes. Um, Doctor Who's birthday, rather appropriate. Is that Friday or Saturday? Saturday, mate. You should know the date. We're off to the BFI. Saturday. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Sorry. 23rd, yeah. Yeah, you can't wait to get back to the BFI. I didn't make the last one. So yeah, what be was good. the last one? Um, Time Warp. Oh, no, it's a, yeah, it's a... Um, Mind Warp, sorry. Mind Warp, yeah. Mind Warp, yeah. Yeah, Baker, that's right. Yeah, so it'll be yeah. good to get back there. Watch a bit of Fenwick. I can't wait to see McCoy on the, in the cinema. It's going to be awesome. I, I'm absolutely so excited about it, actually. Um, I really can't wait uh, to go. Like you said, just to be at the BFI, because um, we love those events. Oh. I've, um, I'm going to the J&T documentary uh, beforehand as well. And um, our good friend, Tall Adam, <laughs> as we weird. refer to him, um, he suggested uh, that it would be cool if we wore Hawaiian shirts to the screening. And I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be fun. And I was thinking, oh, I don't know. I don't have any. I don't have a Hawaiian shirt. So anyway, I ordered um, a really cheap one off Amazon. Uh, and I, and it, 
took forever to get dispatched. I was thinking, is it even going to get here in time? Or am I going to be lumbered with this Hawaiian shirt that I'm never going to wear? Anyway, it's arrived. Um, oh, nice, nice. And it's, uh, I ordered a, a particularly large fix. I, I was worried I was going to get it and it like just about do it up and <laughs> buttons would be popping off because it's, I read the reviews. They said it's really thin and cheap. And I was like, oh, anyway, it's arrived and um, I actually really like it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, so I'm going to be wearing that. Uh, to the JNT thing, so that that's going to be a treat for people. Um, and then um, I might wear my Ace jacket to the Fenric one. You know the yeah, limited edition one. of only a hundred produced. Um, Adams told me I've got to wear it, and I think he's right. I'm just, you know me, I'll have I'll have spilt beer and sausage rolls down it within ten minutes of being there, and I'm just <laughs> like I'll probably ruin it. But um, I think I feel I should wear it. It does seem appropriate. I feel like you should just yeah. for good common sense as well, because the weather's changed a bit now. It's going to be like two degrees when you're going into London in the morning. So just I, wearing a Hawaiian shirt is not a good shout. No. And I'll tell you this, if anyone <laughs> just knocks into me and spills drink on it at the BFI <laughs> bar, you can, you can be sure of it kicking off. I will, there'll be a punch up. There'll be fists flying, teeth gnashing. If anyone knocks into me and well, I'm wearing that, it's going to be, violence and that'll be that we Colin Baker style because I'll obviously <laughs> jump in and help if that yeah, was yeah. the case Imagine it all kicking so that would just fill in their GT <laughs> oh sorry about that you <laughs> and then that's it and then we'll be banned so no more banned. BFI events yeah banned from the BFI god would oh, that be dear. awful yeah. um hopefully that won't happen I am <laughs> I'm actually really looking forward to it but you won't be able to miss me yeah Hawaiian shirt ace jacket you should be able to spot me when you get there indeed be good yeah. be a good day but, yeah. That is going to be good, yeah. Yes. What do you think to the hype that's building up for Series 12 at the moment? We've got the countdown underway. Mm. Watch this space. We've got the uh, trailer dropping on Saturday. And uh, to accompany that, we've not had anything official, but we have had we've had the, the rumor mill fire up its engines oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, quite profusely over the last couple of days with this thing. It hasn't been announced any by the BBC. It's not official, but... Apparently, Series 12 is going to start on New Year's Day with an epic two-parter. What do you reckon? It actually sounds... Uh, I think this could be true. I mean, we don't... I know we don't normally talk about rumours, but this is this has been everywhere, so we may as well talk about it. It's all over the internet. Um, it'd be silly not to acknowledge it in some way. So, yeah, apparently it's going to start New Year's Day as a two-parter, and, yeah, it's going to be, according to the quote, the most epic... And what was it? Adventurous thing the series has ever tried, um, which worries me a little because that. Oh, it said something actually did actually say something like, and no one will be left disappointed. And I thought, well, you just Whoa. you shouldn't say that because you just know. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah, but I, I, I do have a gut feeling this might be true because um, I think we'll get the series of like, is it 10 episodes we're getting? I think so. Yes. And then one yeah. special. Yeah. I think that's what it will be. And I'm guessing the special will be at Christmas or New Year next year. Um, so this would make sense if it's kicking off on in January. And it's, yeah. So I, I got a feeling this could be true, um, possibly. <laughs> I just get this gut feeling that, because it was the Mirror that reported it, I think, the, the newspaper, the Mirror, which is a terrible newspaper, but they do seem to have a good track record of getting stuff right, don't they, with, with these things? Yeah. When it comes to Doctor Who, anyway? Yeah, annoyingly so. Yeah. Because mm, they're a terrible, mm. bloody, stupid rag of a 
Oh, it's an awful newspaper, but they they must have got a good. They've obviously got a spy. Got a mole on the inside. Imagine Chibber's trying to find out who it is. Like he's looking (laughs) around. Who's reading the mirror this morning? (laughs) Like, (laughs) what newspaper do you read? What? As they're signing into work in the morning, Chibber's is there with his notebook. (laughs) Right, what newspaper have you got in your bag? (laughs) Trying to uh, find the mole. mole, Yeah. Unearth the mole. Yeah. Yeah. That could be an episode in itself. (laughs) <laughs> but I do that. What do you think to it? Is it, um, yeah, it may be quite cool to have Dot 2 kick it off in January. It'd be something to look forward to um, yeah. in the new year. It would be plausible to to do that because, mm. I mean, it's, it's plausible that because it's that new year, because they did that new year special last year, it's almost like they might want to set a precedence for each year moving forward. It's like Doctor mm. Who is now a New Year's thing, you know, rather than a Christmas thing. But my only thing with that, and this doesn't make any sense, so please forgive me, but when if Doctor Who goes out in January, hold on, so Series 12 might not start properly in on New Year's Day, right? It could just be this two-part special. Or, or is I, Series 12 going to actually start on New I Year's Day? I think it's going to start. Yeah, so that's the thing. So for me, that means that Doctor Who is, is over and done by, what, March? Yeah, I know. That is exactly, that's the first thing I thought as yeah. well. It's kind of yeah. like, oh, okay, it's great that we're getting it, but then it'll all be over and then we'll have a massive wait until, unless it's going to be an Easter special, I don't know, until the next, the special or whatever it's going to be. Um, yeah, that's it. it. It does seem, cause, and especially only 10 episodes as well. Exactly that. I yes. know. So in yeah. previous years, when the, the series has gone out earlier on in the year, it it's like a nice. Um, it feels like it's broken the year up quite nicely, and it. Mm. I know it's technically, if you're looking at the calendar, we st- we've still waited a long time in between series before, but where, if it's done in March, that's it, and then there's no new Doctor Who until 2021. Oh, man, at least you know. So that that it just makes it feel like a much longer slog to me. It just makes it, you know. So it's- maybe I don't know, but. Who who are we to judge? I, I do agree with you. I, I used to like it when we used to get it at um, Easter. That that seemed a nice time. You know, they used to do the Easter weekend, didn't they? This used to That's right. launch yeah. it, I seem yeah. to think. Like the bank holiday. That was always quite nice. Um, but I think that's the thing. I think maybe they're thinking, okay, it's been away for a year. We need to get it back on the screens at the start of the year. I can sort of see what they're thinking if it's the case. But yeah, it does also mean we'll get a massive gap between the next series presumably because they've only just finished wrapping haven't they on the filming there was a the bbc put a thing up on twitter yesterday so we're recording this on a wednesday so yesterday this thing went up on the doctor who bbc twitter feed saying uh, it's a wrap yeah. filming has completed on series 12 i'm thinking blimey they've only just finished filming so yeah that's probably you know. just pick up shots though that's i, I doubt that's the, like the main cast filming finished I mean, if they're going to start whacking this out in January, it can't. They wouldn't be able to turn it around that quick, surely. Um, they probably would. Yeah, yeah. If they're going to go through, probably not the entire series, mm. but if they're going to do it in in blocks, then then they probably would. Yeah, be a busy Christmas for a lot of people, but <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, they probably would. But yeah, I don't know. Mind you, there are like other, you know, that we've had other TV shows that have gone on for a long time at least a year between them going and coming back with, you know, so things like Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, yeah. you know, we seem to go a long time in between those and that's a big, 
a decent, you know, at least a year's gap, I think, between some of those. That's true. So, yeah, like Rick know. and Morty and things like that. Yeah. Um, so it, it can yes. can be okay, but I think the trouble is because the Chibbers is so... I don't know what he's going on in his brain. It feels like a mix between paranoia and, you know, wanting to be the guardian of everything. He's got everything so locked down and refuses to to drip feed stuff until the last minute. Because if this tra- if it's mm. true that the new series is going to start on New Year's Day, we're only getting the trailer now, like mere weeks before that's going to kick off. So mm. it would be okay. Like with like I mentioned those other programs, you do get stuff drip fed a bit earlier. So you, you tend to get excited a bit more earlier and you look forward to it a bit more. But when you're kept in the dark for so long and then at the last minute, it's like, oh, by the way, everything's going to be epic and here's the trailer. It's like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, he's not like Stephen Moffat, is he? He's not got you know gone and left a script on the train seat on the way home. And like, <laughs> it's like you know he's a, he's really yeah, like you said, keeping it close to his chest. Uh, talking of our new doctor, mate, did you see uh, Jody on the Children in Need? Because we we spoke about this last week, saying we knew there was going to be something Doctor Hill on it, and I remember saying to you, it won't be a trailer; it'll probably be like a little um, ident or something. Mm-hmm. But no, it was actually. It was quite a nice thing, actually. So they got this girl on stage who was, I don't know, 12 or something like that. A really big Doctor Who fan. And then they had Jodie, Tosin and Mandip on the screen. So they put the girl in front of the screen. It made it look like they were in America saying, oh, we're just finishing filming, but we wanted to just send you a message. And she was really pleased. And then the screen opened up and they were actually there in the studio. And the little girl was just, um, she went to pieces, didn't she? She was yeah. absolutely yeah. through it. I mean, it was a really nice moment, I have to say. I know we were all hoping it'd be a clip or something, but um, it was a, I've got to say, even, you know, me, I was just started thinking that was really, because the, the, it was just the kid's face. Mm-hmm. I think we all mm-hmm. identified a little bit with that moment that she had met her hero. Yeah. Um, and, you know, th- she obviously loves the 13th Doctor. Um, so to her to just have the Doctor walk out of the screen in front of her was quite something, actually. So, yeah, yeah it was, yeah, it was a nice moment. Really nice moment. And a kind of fitting for children in need, I think. I mean, gone are the days when we get a little special like Time Crash and that. It's just, you know, it's just not where Doctor Who is at the moment. Like you said, for various reasons, Chibbers, whatever. But um, So I think this was, yeah, maybe not what everyone wanted, but I, I personally thought it was a, a really nice little moment. No, I agree. It was lovely. And I think when you, when you view this, you look at the bigger picture, look at it in the context of what we were watching you know, it's not about, for our own selfish reasons, we wanted a clip and a trailer and whatnot. But at the end of the day, this is about something bigger. It's bigger than Doctor Who, bigger than all us, of all of us. And so it, it was a lovely moment. To, it was. I was going to say, I do think they did slightly miss it. Because, I mean, that, that even those people, you know, looking at the reaction online afterwards, I think it did... Um, you know, melt the heart of even some of the harder people. There was obviously people moaning, as you can expect. But of course. Yeah. Even sort of people that are perhaps not the biggest fans of the 13th Doctor were like, oh, I've got to admit, that was, you know, that was a cool thing to do. But if they'd have then followed that with a little clip for the general public, that those that, like the casual viewer or maybe people who don't watch Doctor Who that would have been sat there thinking, oh, that's nice. Oh, she's the new Doctor, is she? And, you know, people that are not, you know, part of the bigger thing. They'd have just had a little teaser to draw them in after that lovely moment. I think that would have been, that would have been really cool um, in terms of just getting a bit more interest in the series. Cause you know, you, you can't deny that with having no news, even 
hardcore and spe- specifically like people who don't even watch the show, they probably just think it's been axed. Uh, most of the general public, you know what I mean? So I know the Chibas wants to keep it all. That's cool. But he could have just given him just even like 30 <laughs> seconds of something to follow that moment. That would have been magical, I think. But hey, been, I'm not yeah. I'm moaning. It was all good. I just think, oh, man, you, you had the audience in the palm of your hand in tears. Like, follow this with a clip to get people into the new series. But no, they didn't. But no, they didn't. No. no. <laughs> and that's a, yeah. That's the thing I was saying about Chibas. He's so determined to... Yeah, Keep everything as locked down as tight as possible, and I think it does. That does hold some merits, especially if you're working on stuff that's very, that's really kind of. If it's true, if the rumors are true that the this two parter in January and potentially the rest of the series is going to be this big epic, huge adventure and stuff that's never been done on on the show before, and it's going to be just you know, the mm. best thing ever. Then you do want to keep that locked down. You don't. You don't. You want everyone to experience that at the same time. But there has to be a bit of a balance there where, yeah, I don't know. It's a bit like, because um, the fans, you know, they do, the majority of who fandom is really passionate and they'll, mm. you know, they will let their their feelings know and stuff. So that's an, also an opportunity to maybe think, ah, oh, we haven't hit the mark maybe with the vibe of, of this, so let's go and tweak something. It's a bit like the, um, this is extremely off topic, but, Earlier on in the year, there was that trailer that launched for the new Sonic the Hedgehog film. Mm-hmm. And all of the, well, most of the fans immediately said, this looks awful. You know, the design of the character, the way that you've oh, made him look. Yeah. yeah, it just looks completely dreadful. So mm. the filmmakers were like, all right, we hear you. So they pumped another $30 million into the budget and changed the look and the design. And then when they put the new trailer out a couple of weeks ago, Everyone was like, this is amazing. This looks exactly like what we thought it was going to look like. So there is a degree of of like judging the, the the fandom's reaction to things as well. So if you get like a huge kind of backlash, like this looks dreadful, then it's an opportunity to then be like, oh, okay, can we have we got time to tweak this and mm. and change it? But that's the chibbers, I suppose. It's we could it's, there's a whole podcast to talk about chibbers on Doctor Who. But um <laughs> We'll do it when he leaves but, behind his back. Um, <laughs> when he's been turfed out, yeah. Yeah, there's only a little bit of change left in his pockets. He hasn't got the money to reshoot it. Um, i got to say, that that's the thing. It's a double-edged sword because I, the, for the most part, you know, I really do like the fact that I know nothing about the, the stories themselves. Like, that was one of the things I thought was good about Series 11 was that every time I tuned in, I had no idea what the story was going to be, whether I liked it or not. Do you know what I mean? So I do like that to a certain degree, but I think there are ways of keeping, you know, throwing a few scraps out in terms of just, even if it's just filming pics, like you don't even have to have the give away the set or or the credits in it. You could just have a photo of like Jody, you know, on a a new photo of her because at the minute fans are so dry of anything that they're getting excited that her top, sleeves have gone from white to blue and i'm not even exaggerating there's Mm -hmm. a picture of jody in the doctor's costume in the radio times and so the top she normally wears normally has white sleeves with the blue Mm -hmm. you know middle bit and the rainbow and it's changed now the whole top is blue and people were like going crazy on twitter last night (gasps) new costume doc's got i'm thinking blimey this is how desperate they are for something to (laughs) to you know but that's what what i'm trying to say is i'm not knocking those people that love that stuff but 
that we just you could give something just simple like that. Like here's a picture of Jody on the set, slight tweak to a costume, just little bits throughout the year, just to you know keep. Yeah, we are filming. This is happening. You don't even have to give anything away. There are ways to do it, and I do think you know he's reined it in just that little bit too much in terms of that. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. It's because the fans are there. The, the the fans are absolutely you know biting at the tooth to get like just something. So. Yeah, I mean, it's lucky, really, because the fandom, you know, I know it's very split at the minute, but even those people who don't particularly like Series 11 or Jodie, they're still kind of hanging in there to see what's next. So it's quite lucky, really. I mean, people, some people will say they've abandoned it. I'm never watching it again, but you know they will. Yeah. So yeah, they're course. still there. The audience is still there, which is quite amazing, considering we've had absolutely nothing for a year mm-hmm. so yeah i read you man i think mm. a lot of fans feel a, a similar way where you know it's not it's not all doom and gloom you know it's not a case of we've we've got nothing the problem is it all comes too late so we mm. if you think about it within the last month we had the teaser image that went out on social media yeah and then Shortly after that, we had the teaser that says, watch this space, and then the date that was put on the YouTube channel and stuff, so everybody's counting down. But then once that's done, like I said earlier, you've then just got a matter of a few weeks then until the yeah. series kicks in. So it's not like we haven't had anything. It's just been too too late in the day. It's just, Maybe that's that. well, for all we know, maybe that is the strategy. Maybe that is like, let's keep the fandom, you know, ticking along and let them chat and make up their own rumors and guess and do all that stuff. And then we'll hit them late on with this is what's actually happening. Maybe that is exactly what they want. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I think in their minds, they're probably thinking, you know, it's building, you know, cause you don't have anything. It's just building and building and building that anticipation to, you know, it's coming, it's coming. But um, I think it would be nice. Even if you posted a, like something as simple as like the TARDIS, <laughs> you know yeah. every month yep. or something here's the TARDIS in the new location you can't see anything you don't know where it is but here it is you know what I mean just there are ways of like putting out little bits without giving anything away that would still just like oh you know what I mean sounds simple doesn't it always oh, a new picture of the TARDIS like just little things there are ways to do it but are, yeah, yeah, they, yeah they, they've chosen to do it this way and I suppose in some ways it's still working because we are still <laughs> we're all still sat here waiting for the show it's not like we've gone off and started watching Babylon 5 or found a new no, sorry Doctor Who I've got a new show now you know it's not like we've all gone off and found a new sci-fi show Crikey, um, Babylon 5 I don't know where that came from I've never even watched it actually which is <laughs> ironic um, having said that I suppose some people probably have drifted off and found new programs actually I'm only talking about myself but well, yeah if you look at uh, I, uh, that's coincidence actually I was look, when I was looking through Netflix the other night for something to watch after I'd finished watching Doctor Who because that's just very quickly what I've been up to not a lot mm. but I have finished my Eccleston rewatch now oh yeah uh, so I finished Brilliant. it up the other night um, with The Parting of the Ways which is awesome oh it's so good yes and uh, after that I was having a flick through Netflix to see what it was about and they've got a lot of good sci-fi stuff on there mm. lots of good stuff so yeah production values are really upping as well at the minute in terms of tv i've been watching the dark materials um on a sunday night the philip pullman oh he's not oh yeah philip pullman isn't it i always get him mixed up someone else yeah the dark materials that's been i mean production values are like 
surpass sort of some films I saw like five years ago. It's really TV production is yeah. really cool. I watched the new War of the Worlds as well. I've been waiting so long for that, and I was a bit disappointed. I'm going to be honest because it was supposed to come out in January, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and then it was delayed because they wanted to get the effects tweaked or something. And it finally, finally arrived. Um, it wasn't bad, but it just wasn't that great either. But it's only been one episode. It might improve. Right, I haven't um, seen it so, yet. No. Yeah, well, yeah, so let me know what you think. I just, I don't know, maybe the build-up for that was too much because I've been really, really looking forward to that. Um, just didn't really do much for me. But um, but I have managed to get some, just before we kick off, uh, I have managed to get some great Doctor Who in this week. Um so I've been sort of finishing work quite late. and I, So when I get in, I've only really had a couple of hours to myself before I have to go to bed. So I've thought, you know, um, cook a bit of dinner. And I've whacked on a couple of classic Who's this week while I have my dinner before I go to bed. Um, so I watched The Web Planet. Ah. I was really, yep. I had a terrible day at work. I was really in the mood for some Hartnell. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sort of put me in that mood for I needed to, you know, I needed a role model that takes no nonsense. <laughs> well, I was thinking, oh, yeah. So I went back and I watched The Web Planet. I think because the new vinyl's coming out, I was just curious to see it again because I think the last time I watched it, I'll be honest, I think I switched it off. I, I really didn't think much of it. Um, I don't think we've reviewed it actually, so I probably nope. shouldn't nope. say too much. Probably shouldn't say too much. But I will say this I'm not quite sure how the hell that's going to translate to vinyl there's hardly any dialogue in it it's all bleeps some sound effects and they've got to have someone narrating that because there's no because i was listening to the soundtrack just thinking this is just not gonna translate very well to vinyl unless they've got someone telling the story which they must have you know is i don't know anyway mm. i'll say no more because we haven't reviewed it so it, but it was great to watch some Hartnell again and every time i watch Hartnell, i forget how much i genuinely love his doctor um, he switches from sort of so angry to so charming in the flick of an eye. It's amazing. I, I just love Hartnell. And then the other night I got in and I needed some McCoy. I needed some McCoy. I'd had another really crackingly bad day. I needed some McCoy. And I didn't have a lot of time before going to bed. So I thought it's going to be dealt in the Bannermen. I need something fun. I need something to lift my mood. And boy, <laughs> did it do the job um, we have we have reviewed this one so i can say it i was it was exactly what i needed after the <laughs> rubbish day i'd had it honestly by the end of it i was smiling again it's <laughs> so fun that story i don't care if it's not the best story in fact i don't care about any of the criticisms you throw at it because i just loved it it was yeah it's just fun the music's crazy um you've got gavrock who's just fantastically um evil villain eating his big old piece of meat um ken dodd i'd amazingly forgot ken was even in it until he comes out i'm like oh yes yeah, ken dodd i i'll tell you every two minutes i was like yes this is brilliant there was a brilliant moment um i just loved it mate i, I tell you if you're ever in an, not such a good mood or you just need a pick up put that on it's so fun yeah we reviewed that back way back uh episode 76 Blimey. What did we score it? Which just is out the fifth of, of February, twenty sixteen. Wow. Yeah, we scored it. Um, oh, I don't know off the top of my head. I have to have a look. Uh, oh, all right. Hold on. Uh, Delta, uh, Delta and the Bannerman. Uh, you gave it a seven. Mm. I gave it a seven. A seven. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not. I know it's not one of the best, but I'd put that one and Greatest Show down to watch, and I both of which I like. But because I've probably watched Greatest Show more and. I didn't have a lot of time. I went with Delta um, and I, I just 
honestly just loved it from start to finish. Um, it's just so much fun. Yeah. yeah, I remember on that show we absolutely fell about laughing for about five minutes. Yes, yeah, about, to do with Mel, isn't about it? Mel, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone oh, that bless. wants a laugh, yeah, go back to episode seventy-six. Check yeah. that out. Yeah. <laughs> bless Bonnie, she's so lovely, Bonnie. Yeah. <laughs> so that was it. So I've, I'm really pleased actually. In a, in a sort of pretty hectic and mad week, I've managed to get in two classic Doctor Who's. That's really um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So and yeah, so it's all good. So just gearing up for the beer fight, and that's me really. This week, we'll, by the time this podcast comes out, we'll be at the beer fight, getting drunk, and it'll all be good. It'll all be good, indeed. Yeah. yeah. Right. Shall we land it and rattle through some news? Yeah, let's see what we got. The unofficial annual. This is a very quick one. We spoke about this uh, weeks and weeks ago. And it's now been done. It's been designed. It's all ready. And it's up for order now, so you can get it. So... Um, if you had so there's the Facebook page, which the uh, we always struggle with the name of these. Uh, it's a t- yes, <laughs> Terra 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 Kuios or Terra Kuos, one mm. of the two, or Terra Kuios. I very much apologise, guys. We're absolutely destroying the um <laughs> the pronunciation here, but uh, they've got their Facebook page, which I'll link in the show notes. But you can also head over to the publishing page to get it. So this is one of those print on demand things. So they haven't uh, bulk printed to send off to shops or anything. So this is around 25 pounds, um, which sounds, you know, quite a lot for a book. However, you have to appreciate the, the design that's gone into this. And this is a fan project that have got this up and running. It's a, a pretty beefy annual as well. It's not one of those little, 50 page things that you pick up nowadays from the, the official BBC ones. Uh, this is 121 pages, all full color and it's non-profit as well. So this all, you know, this is not filling the, the pockets of the fat cat. So, um, yeah, I'll put a link to this in the show notes as well. It's Lulu, uh, lulu.com. Yeah. Just do a search for, um, Doctor Who 1987. Um, and I'll link this in the show notes as well. But yeah, we spoke about this, uh, few, uh well, months ago mm-hmm. when they said they were going to knock this out. So yeah, the 1987, Colin Baker uh, annual is now out for for order. Yeah, if you want to fill that gap, go and go and get it. Right. In other merch news, um, we have a lovely TARDIS bathrobe has been released by Emp. Is that how you say it, or is it EMP? Uh, take it. Uh, it's up. It's up to you, mate. How do you okay. want to say it? Okay. So this is so you get wait well it's you can get it from them. It's available to order. I don't know who the actual manufacturer is. Looks rather nice actually. Um I don't own a bathrobe. I may put this on the Christmas list. Uh but it's a basically TARDIS blue. Uh it's got the pull to open sign on the front of it. And then on the back you got the police public call box and two TARDIS windows. Uh it looks really thick. Um I don't know if the picture um is you know it, it, as it is in the picture, but judging by what I've got in front of me, it looks like a really nice thick bathrobe. Actually, mm. <laughs> looks very cozy. Mm. Um, what price is it? I don't have a price in front so of it's me. It's forty one ninety nine. Right, it's okay. not bad for a dressing gown. No, yeah. I've just ordered for the first time from EMP or EMP, however you say them. Actually, I literally placed my first order with them last week, um, which was uh, I know you'll disapprove of this, but um, it go. was uh, yeah no it's for the um, Tim Shaw pop. Oh, for God's sake! I know, but you know what's happened, don't you? You know, you know what's happened. I got those other ones, 
I couldn't stand the fact that I was missing one from the collection. Now you can't stop. Uh, like a, it's, like it's, a walking Pringles can you are. <laughs> yeah. It's that OCD thing of like, I was like, oh, but I'm missing, I've got all the new 30 Doctors, but I'm missing Tim Shaw. Anyway, so the only place you could get him was from these guys and he was reduced. <laughs> so um, I picked him up and I just wanted to say that it arrived really quick and really well packed. So my first order with them uh, and they seem pretty good. So if you want your bathrobe, go and grab one. Tim, do you like this, by Tim the way? Bloody you, uh, sure. I know. Move on. Uh, do, you, <laughs> do you like this robe? Would you see yourself in this? Uh, well, I've already got a TARDIS dressing gown. I thought, slash I thought you had, actually. Bathrobe. Yeah, I got one that was out years ago. It's a present of my wife, I think, for one, one Christmas. Uh, it's similar to this, but it's a, it's a darker blue. The whole thing is the, the TARDIS blue. And yeah. it's got the windows on the, yeah. So I won't get this, obviously, because I already have one. But those of you that do want a TARDIS bathrobe slash dressing gown, as we call them here in the UK, then, mm. yeah, 40 quid's not bad, I think, for a dressing gown. I will yeah. be honest. Um, I don't know how I've seen your dressing gown, but I have. Uh, maybe <laughs> Steady. <laughs> I <do>. Steady. <laughs> I do remember thinking that it was a nicer blue. Because uh, as much as I like this one, this new one, I'm not very keen on the colour. I, I prefer the darker TARDIS blue, which I believe yours is. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. 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 So there we go. Um, EMP or EMP.co.uk. <laughs> I'll link to that as well. Yeah. Uh, also, from those uh, fine people over at EMP, uh, they've released a, uh, a pretty cool looking ladies uh, TARDIS hoodie. All right. Which looks kind of cool. Uh, it's the, uh, it's, it's black. And on the front, it's got the TARDIS in a kind of purpley, bluey colour. Hmm. And it's got this very uh, decorative uh, font across the front. It says uh, time and relative dimension in space with some sparkly stuff on there. And also what's kind of cool about this one is the inside of the hood has got that spacey nebula kind of space scene that you see a lot of Doctor Who merchandise have in packaging and stuff like that. This looks very cool, um, but um, it is kind of pricey, this one, this hoodie. So it's 50 quid, 51 99 from those guys. Uh, but if this is your thing, and it does look very cool. Um, any ladies I like out there? The, yeah, I like the neck thing. Ooh. It's unusual, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I can't really describe it, but if you click on the link, Gary, for the show notes, it's, uh, it's got this unusual neckline, um, which is just a little bit different. Uh, I actually really like that. Yeah. So it's got the space scene on the inside of the hood and then what Adam's describing. It's kind of like on a normal hoodie where both parts meet in the middle. This has got like an overlap part, a bit like a shirt collar that kind of folds down a little bit and it says TARDIS on the inside. It's very, very cool. Would your um, would your dear wife wear this, do you think? I reckon so. I reckon she'd geek or out in she this. Left, uh, she left the Doctor Who fandom now. Uh, she has <laughs> she's not, kind of, yeah. She's, she's not really. drifted off, isn't yeah. she? I know the first time I met your wife, she had a really cool... Doctor Who T with all the Doctor's names on it. Oh, Going that's right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's kind of drifted away from Who these days. But I think you know, if we were attending something relatively geeky, she would, she would rock this. I reckon she would go with this. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Another one for the Christmas list, right? Clack, clack, <laughs> clack. There's a new book out by those guys at Candy Jar. This looks pretty damn awesome, actually. It's the Doctor Who art of Chris Achilles. I think I'm finally saying that right. Finally, I think I've got his name right. Um, (laughs) And it's called Clack, um, which is just awesome, actually. I always think of Pertwee. I don't know if I'm right to do so, but I always think of Pertwee's Doctor when I see Clack. Um, I don't know why. 
I just sort of picture him doing the yeah and that written above him somehow. But I could be just in my head. I don't know. But this looks great. Um, so this is coming out. Um, I think early next year, isn't it? I think it's you can pre-order it now. I think it's due to come out um, early next year. I'm just going to see if I get a price of it. I personally love Chris's artwork. Um, he's done so many covers for Target over the years. Um, I've met him at a few conventions as well. He often uh, turns up at conventions. He was at LFCC last year, uh, or this year, sorry, selling his prints. Mm. And um, I had a really nice chat with him, actually, because I was I bought the one of the first Doctor, the Doctor Who and the Daleks, and it's got like the first Doctor and a gold Dalek and a pink TARDIS. You must have seen oh, it. It's yeah. quite a fan. Yeah. And I was saying, that's the one I bought. And I was saying, oh, I just love that cover. And he said, oh, I've never been pleased with it. So I did oh, the pink, uh, pink TARDIS and... I've uh, never been, yeah, I wish I could do it again. I said, yeah, but that's what I, I like about it. It's, it's, um, it's strange. I know we get very hung up on things that aren't correct nowadays, but yet with old merch, we seem to like that. So if a TARDIS is wrong <laughs> on old merch, we seem to find it charming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a perfect example of it. I like the fact it's the wrong TARDIS and, it, and it's pink and stuff. So yeah, he's a, he's a nice chap, Chris. He's quite, he's a quiet chap, but really he's a very interesting person to have a little chat with. He's obviously really into his artwork and he's been doing it for years. So I'm, I'm going to get this. It's available as a paperback uh, for $14.99 plus postage. Um, and they are going to do a limited edition hardback, which is only available um, from the Candy Jar store. And that's going to be £30. Um, I don't. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I wondered if it would be signed or something because it's obviously twice the price. I don't. It doesn't say that it is. I think it's just going to be like a limited hardback yes, version. But yep. uh, you could always get Chris to sign it at one of the conventions if you wanted to. But yeah, what about you? Do you like his art? It's It's got its own style, isn't it? I think it's I, I personally love it. I do. I, I, lo- I love his stuff from the old, um, mm. the old target days. It's awesome. Yeah. So this is a pre-order for me for sure. And, uh, yeah, it's just got that unmistakable, uh, his unmistakable style. As soon as you see one of his covers on a target book, you know, it's a Chris Achilles one. So yeah, I love it. It's just, uh, it's iconic definitely. So uh, that's up for me. So yeah, 15 quid, 14 to 99 for the paperback and the hardback one. So the, the paperback one is available from candy jar and I assume they're going to pump it out to a few, uh, bookshops as well, mm. but the hardback one is not going to be available commercially. So you can only get that from the candy jar store. So just bear that in mind. If you want the hardback one, you won't see it in Waterstone somewhere or, yeah, you know, anything like that. So if you want the hardback one, you have to order it directly. Um, so you can still order paper one, obviously, but you might see that knocking around forbidden planet or bookshop whatever i just in here as well it says it features every one of um chris's doctor who designs as well as never before seen material giving an insight into his creative process uh it's due to be released in april next year um pre-orders are up now and there's just a little bit from chris himself actually um he explains his motivation uh, for compiling the book he says i go to a lot of conventions and the enduring affection of the fans of those target novelizations is such a compliment as an artist you're always wary of being pigeonholed you want all your work to receive the same amount of attention but doctor who is such a phenomenon and the commitment of the fans so is so pure you have to be grateful i hope they enjoy this special book so that's from chris himself yeah i'm definitely getting this 100 percent um yeah. i'll yeah I was going to say, I, I would probably go with the paperback. Tempted to get the hardback, but I'll, I'll see. But you're definitely getting this. Looks very cool. It does. Clack. 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 With two Ks, no less. 
Exactly. Ka clack or just mm. clack. <laughs> so that's the merch this week. Some cool, cool items there. You'd expect to see a few more bits in the run up to Crimbo. Like Christmassy present stuff, yeah. I suppose. Things did like we that. get any uh did we ever get a Christmas calendar? You know, like they used to do the advent calendars. They haven't done those for a while. I'm sure I used to have one, like a Dalek one or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. we haven't oh, seen a Hugh one. You, no, we haven't seen a Hugh no. for a while. That's a shame. I like an advent calendar, me, especially if it's got chocolates in it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm with you, yeah. Yeah. There we go. I wonder if we'll see any, like, special edition things from, like, people like Rubber Toe props and that sort of thing, because they've been really fairly quiet recently. That's a good show. Um, Do you know, I'd forgotten about Rubber Toe. I know um, Robert Harrop, uh, they normally do a Christmas piece, and this year they're doing the Sycorax. Um, and I did see that they put a post up saying that, and you know, unfortunately, the Christmas piece, because they really want to catch up with the previous leases and get it right, and they don't, don't want to rush it. They said, unfortunately, it's going to come out just after Christmas. Um, but I, I, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, why rush this stuff out? What difference does a month make, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they. I always loved their Christmas piece. They did the Clockwork Soldier um, figurine last year. That was beautiful yeah. from the mind robber. Yeah. So, yeah, a few little Christmassy bits. Indeedy, yes. Right, review time. Right, yeah. So, 10th Doctor this week. Uh, Dr. Donna in turn left. Found a body, sir. The doctor is dead. How could anything be worse than this? What? What did they find? Oh, my God. The stars are going out. Who are you? How is that you? Turn around! Show me your face! I've been pulled across from a different universe because every single universe is in danger. Supposed to do. Powering up. None of this was meant to happen. You're gonna die. Whew. Whoa. Whoa. Oh. Living, living rose there. Heartless. Bloody hell. Oh, by the way, Donnie, you're gonna die. <laughs> Heartless rose. Get to her later. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? It's still my favourite theme, the series four. Yeah, it's intro. good, isn't it? it I freaking love theme. it. Yeah. It really fires you up whenever I press play on the on the Blu-ray to kick off a you know a tenant episode. As soon as that theme kicks in, I'm like, oh yeah, right, here we go. I sort of sit up and I, it's it's great theme, great it's really cool. theme. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like uh, after recently watching the Eccleston stuff, you know the the new theme that they used, it's that's still good. It's still really good. But I think Murray Gold just for series four was just like right. I want some real energy into it now and mm-hmm. real rocking along and. So it doesn't sound like one of those. Um, so on YouTube, there's plenty of like heavy metal covers of TV shows and stuff like that. It's not like that. It's like still, still feels like Radio Workshop, you know. But it's just got mm. a bit of a heavier. I don't know. It just so it just fires you up, ready for the episode. It's amazing. It feels like yeah. he just tweaked it enough, doesn't it? It's like like you said the. The, the Ninth Doctors is good. It's as if he listened to that and thought, I just, yeah, didn't have enough time, I, but now let me just add a few little bits mm. in before he completely, because I, I don't really like the Series 5 theme that much. It's got this horrible tinny drum mm-hmm. all the yeah. way through it. Um, and I think in that one, it kind of, uh, it's fine, it's okay, but it's, yeah, this is the, I think this is the, the best. This is the one. Of the new themes, yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, right. 
Onwards we go. Turn left. It was first uh, brought or broadcast on the 21st of June 2008. It's the penultimate episode to Series 4, Before the Stolen Earth. And it stars David Tennant, Catherine Tate and Billy Piper and then uh, a fairly uh, sizable um, supporting cast. And the starts with the Doctor and Donna on an alien planet somewhere. They're having a good old time, bit of a street market vibe. Donna gets uh, um, sort of dragged off into a fortune teller's tent where this woman claims that she'll be able to to uh, read her future and all that stuff. And um, yeah, it uh, turns out that the... It, it she was setting her up wasn't she it was the doctor tells us later on in towards the end of the story that that beetle thing was one of the trickster something yeah the, the, yeah whatever it which was. i wouldn't have known obviously that meant nothing to me at the time but now we know that ties in with sarah jane sarah jane of course which i yeah. loved i was like oh the trickster yeah but that meant nothing to me at the time because i didn't used to watch sarah jane yeah yeah so this beetle was part of the trickster's brigade and its uh, main purpose is to sort of change the events of people's lives and normally what happens is nothing really bad happens you know their their life changes and and onwards they go but because donna is you know donna is donna and she's special uh this sort of alternative alternative or parallel world sort of was created around her and lots of bad stuff happened so the doctor died all the stuff that would have normally been the doctor would have sorted out because she didn't as the title suggests didn't Turn left, she turned right, never met the doctor, so the chain of events then sets in motion and so the world essentially just turns to ruin, basically. Mm. And uh throughout the story, um Rose turns up at various points to warn Donna that, you know, bad stuff is coming and stuff like that. And you know, it turns out that in this parallel universe, this Donna has got to time travel back and change the course of, of history so that she turns left as she was going to anyway, instead of right. So she meets the doctor and everything kind of gets put back to normal. But, and then there's that really cool bit at the end where the doctor realizes that Rose has appeared in this other universe and has warned Donna about what's happening. And it, Oh God, the ending is just mm. freaking awesome. Like when, mm. like when the doctor's quizzing her about it, he's all kind of laughing and joking. He's like, Oh yeah. You're, you're special you are and you all that lot. and then as soon as he mentioned there was this woman there his face is like turns turns to like worry and stuff and he's like what was what was her name i don't what know what was her name what did she look like yeah what did she tell you and then when she tells you know he's off and it i'm getting goosebumps dude just thinking about mm. that last bit of it. i mean i'm just going to get this out of the way now and i'm really really not saying this from a from a point of like a grumpy old man or anything like that. <laughs> but I really, I really do think that episodes like this, and this is probably just going to preface how I feel about the whole thing, but I really feel like episodes and stories like this were when Doctor Who was at its best. Yeah. I really do. It's like, uh, it's that I've, oh God, it's just even thinking about and talking about just those last couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. from this episode just gives me goosebumps and I just want to race downstairs and stick the next one on and start watching it. And I just haven't had that feeling in, in a, in a long time. So that's, yeah, you probably guess how I feel about it, but what do you reckon, mate? I normally ask you first, what, what are your I, thoughts on it? 
I absolutely concur. I was um I was quite blown away actually by the time I finished watching this. Um I've always known it was one that I really enjoyed. Um I knew you know that it was no big surprise, but I I was surprised how uh, almost for want of a better word moved I was by how good it was and that still to get that amazing feeling even though I know what's coming next like but at the time when this aired to be left on that unbelievable ending and then the next time trailer where you get Torchwood Sarah Jane uh, and all that all those guys came back I mean it is just I just as I said like you said it just made me think wow we had it so good um during this era there's no two ways about it there is no this is an absolutely fantastic episode um donna uh catherine tate has to carry pretty much the whole episode herself and she does an amazing job she is phenomenal phenomenal in this um I mean, I love her as a companion anyway, but she is brilliant in this episode. Uh, there's a, there's no point in this when I'm sort of start thinking, oh come on, where's the doctor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she yep. is. She just carries it brilliantly. It's a great story. I love how it ties in with all the stuff that she's done so far in the series, and it brings in elements of the, um, is it the Christmas Invasion, the one with the star? That's it. Yep where she stops the doctor from going too far, the Sycorax. Yeah. Um, and then it just one by one that like the doctor's dead. And then we hear that Martha's dead. And then we hear that Sarah Jane's dead. All these events just because she turned right. And the thing I love about it most is that um, this is a real thing. And I, I think about this a lot, probably more than I should, that it is incredible how little decisions that we make like that change the core obviously not to the extent of saving the universe you know but you know what i mean everything we do has a knock-on effect to what happens in our lives and we don't even think about it um and just to sort of take that element of of real life um, and make a story out of it i think is brilliant it works so so well you know um i i couldn't help but think back to that that a few months ago when i was going into Sainsbury's to get the dot two vinyl when that guy was in front of me and then he had one copy and he stopped to put his cigarette out and those three seconds gave me the chance to get it. <laughs> Things like that, you know, everything we do has a knock on effect. He had to then wait two weeks to get his copy because I know because he came into my shop and told me. Um, so it's like <laughs> everything we do has an effect and um, and this is just a brilliant use of that. The fact that she, her mum nagging her in the car. I mean, that that again is, I just think so many people could probably relate to that as well. You know, putting her down and, oh, you're rubbish. And, you know, oh, go on then, mum, I'll do it. And, and so she turns right and, oh, man. I'll tell you what, I just could literally, this episode is so good, it almost makes my head explode. It's so good. And it just, like you said earlier, just makes me realise what an f- amazing place the show was in during this era i think don is such a good companion um and 10 like he said even though he's only in the beginning and just that last couple of minutes with the 10th doctor the way he switches it's you're right it's goosebumps it's it's amazing you know and the tardis having bad wolf written all over it in place of the signs what an amazing but simple idea um honestly i just my voice will just keep going up and up and up because i can't praise this episode enough i love it really genuinely enjoyed it from start to finish yeah no i read you man and i i watched this recently as well i watched this a a month ago or six weeks ago because it was on tv 
uh, one Saturday morning as I was. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, I always forget they're on TV. Yeah. yeah. So I remember watching it then. So I could have, I could have just not watched it this week, gone into the review, still fairly fresh. Hmm. I was like, no way. I, any, any excuse to watch this one, then, then I'm on it. So of course I watched it this week. Last I, night, I in watched, fact. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it last night and I, I've watched it a few times over the years because it is one I really enjoy. Um, but I always watch them for a review because you, you sort of watch it through slightly different eyes. I think I always look for things to sort of balance out the good and bad points of any episode we do, even if it's one I really enjoy. I always try and sort of look for things that I don't watch when I'm just casually watching it. Um, so I did watch it again last night and I'd sort of forgotten how well it ties in with everything that's gone before it. I mm. mean, it, it's quite uh, that, you know, I, in my head, I was thinking, yeah, there's that bit where we see the, the you know, the star exploding again. And I remembered it that, but I'd forgotten about all the other stuff um, like the Titanic crashing actually crashes into uh, Buckingham Palace in this bit. I was thinking, oh, well, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, and we get to see our American newsreader again, which I always, always love in the RTD era. Um, and what else? There's other bits. It's about three or four stories that just get woven into it. Previous mm-hmm. stories, isn't there? Like, yeah. um, what's is it Smith and Jones? No, not Smith and Jones. Well, the, the hospital landing and, and oh, all yeah, that. Oh, yeah, the Jadine story and, and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. so good at like, mm-hmm. the way it just ties everything in without being complicated. Um and I'd sort of remembered that to an extent, but watching it again last night, I thought how brilliantly that was done. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, um, and also you mentioned uh, Catherine Tate in this one. Who would have thought that all those, well, year or so previous to this, when Donna, when Catherine Tate was announced as a companion after her one time uh, showing, you know, when she got mocked or she got yeah. criticized so much because everyone thought... It was a bit like a Matt Lucas thing. Everyone thought it was just going to be just endless slapstick comedy stupidity from, mm. you know, and then she ends up pulling off a performance like, oh my, it's like, we the other Doctor Light episodes that we've had, there has, there has definitely come a point throughout the episode where you think it would be really good to have the Doctor come in at this point. Mm. Whereas I think you said it just now, with this one, not at any point at all, did I think, right, we need the doctor back now or, you know, the story's, you know, going off course a little bit or it's waning a little bit. It'd be great to have tenant pop up now and sort of save the day a little bit. But I'll tell you what, Catherine Tate is just amazing in this. That's Absolutely. a good point, actually. Yeah. yeah, you're not sort of waiting for the Doctor to come in and save the day because it's all around Donna. You know, she's got to do it herself. She is brilliant in it. I mean, I, I remember when she was announced as... um being the sort of full-time companion i think it was a year after wasn't it it was like so she did the christmas special and then we had martha didn't we and then they announced it was going to she was going to come back as the full-time companion and i remember thinking god that's really odd like what an odd thing to do yeah um and i you know as much as i liked Catherine tate then um i couldn't see how that was going to work for a full series because she was good in the special it kind of suited the, the christmas special but she was quite shouty in that. And I remember thinking, I don't know. I don't know about this. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure how this is going to work out. And then series four is, is probably one of my favorites. And she is my favorite new series companion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, she just went on to prove me and many other people wrong in terms of how good an actress I think she is. I mean, the bit when they're going to send her back and I'm getting 
goosebumps now just thinking about it. She is absolutely terrified when she's got that thing on her back and they're like, um, she's like, oh, I, I get it now. When you said I'm going to die, you meant I'm going to die in this light. And she's like, and then she sort of sees in Rose's face that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And she looks absolutely terrified. And the, the acting from her is just spot on. You know, um, she really, really pours her soul into it. But the good thing is she is quite good at the comedy stuff as well. And I, you can sort of see, some, you can sort of see some of her characters that she does in a sketch show a little bit. But for me, she manages to just get the tone right without going a bit too far. So maybe in the Christmas Invasion, yeah, maybe there were bits where she was a bit OTT, but, you know, she's probably finding her feet a bit. In this, she has absolutely got the character of Donna that she wants to play and is written. You know, so there's the bit when she's getting sort of, um, she's been sacked. And she, there's a sort of comedy moment in amongst this quite serious story, isn't there, where she's sort of kicking the drawer and I'm having this and she's throwing <laughs> in the stapler. And I think the way she does it, I, I just think is, is really funny without being too silly. So uh, I think she really gets a, a good fine line between the sort of comedy style that she does mm-hmm. yeah. um you know in her show and in dot two with this sort of she balances it really well with that she when she needs to be serious i believe you know in the character i really believe she looked terrified when she was going to get sent back and you know um and i've just got to say i'd forgotten how harsh rose is in this i'll get on to rose um she's really unsympathetic to donna in this <laughs> like that particular scene she keeps, she's like, oh, by the way, you're going to die. And she's like, um, she doesn't sort of tell her anything. You know, she could say to her, you know, she could reassure her a bit, but she just stands there. And she almost laughs at her at one point, which really annoyed me. There was a bit when Donna was really scared. And Rose does this sort of, um, yeah, the doctor used to say that. And I actually, I don't know why it annoyed me a lot more than it should. I was <laughs> thinking, blimey neck, Rose, have a heart. You know, why don't you take her place? You know, I was getting a bit annoyed with Rose in this, which is something I haven't noticed before when I've watched it. Mm. But Rose is getting on my wick a little bit in this episode. I've got to be honest. <laughs> She's a bit smug, you know, Your poor old Donna. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I think I do agree with you. I think she is a bit. She's very different to Rose from back in. When did we last see Rose? Doomsday. Yeah. She's, she's very different to, to Rose then. But you can kind of see where Russell was going with that because mm. in that other universe that that Rose is from, you can tell that she's had to mature a lot and her character's moved on a lot and yeah. and all that stuff. So you can kind of see that I think one of the reasons they did that is to kind of emphasize the fact that Rose hasn't just stood still. And, she's toughened and, up a bit. Yeah, she hasn't just stood still and done nothing in this other mm. universe. She's had to toughen up mature a lot so i think that's just to emphasize that a lot's happened to her that we don't get told explicitly but it, a lot's happened and now this rose is you know she's handling business a lot more but she is quite she's not standoffish but she's quite cold i think is the she's word. cold yeah and yeah. especially as you sort of really sympathize with um donna's character in this i think there are times when i felt like she's a bit too cold towards donna like she could have tried to reassure her a bit um where she doesn't, uh, but that's, I mean, that's the way it's been written. It's not, not really down to Billy's performance particularly, but uh, yeah, there's a couple of bits when I was like, Oh, Rose, you, you little, you know, don't want to say the word, but you know, <laughs> yeah. just be a bit nicer, will you? <laughs> yeah. But I'll tell you what I did. Um, I did like the, 
the element of this thing on Donna's back because the story is great. I love the whole concept of it. Mm-hmm. But then thrown into that mix, you've got this weird thing on Donna's back that everyone seems to be able to see except for her. And I, I just, it's really creepy. Um, it's its such a good idea. It is a little bit, it always reminds me of like Planet of the Spiders, I suppose, with the spider on the back. Uh, um, but that's a love, that's a great idea, isn't it? She's that whole thing. She's like, what are you looking at? You know, um, I, I just think that's great. And when she finally sees it, she's so creeped out by it. I only wish, um, and I think they've tried really hard, like in the direction of Graham Harper, but I only wish it looked slightly better. Um, it's weird because I love the fact they've made a real thing rather than just CGI. They've clearly made a prop to put on her back, but somehow it just looks a bit plasticky. I don't know. Maybe if they'd put a bit of slime on it or something. See, <laughs> it's, it's a I real small bugbear. I just, the thing is, it's such a creepy concept that when we do finally see it, for me personally, it's one of the few things in terms of the production. I thought, oh, I wish they'd have just slightly tweaked that a bit, made it a bit more, because there's a bit where a little claw creeps up on her shoulder and it almost makes me laugh um, rather than be scary. Um, But that does kind of tie in with classic who, if you know what I mean, the sort of using an actual prop rather than CGI. Mm -hmm. So in some ways I really like it, but, but you know what I mean? I think they're given a bit more time. Maybe they perhaps could have made that creature look a little bit more gross and that would have really upped the, scariness of it because it's a real creepy thing that she can't mm-hmm. she keeps like what's on my back you know it's a really cool creepy thing yeah um do you know what? do you agree with me about the, the the creature or do you think it looks all right kind of i mean from yeah. a visual point of view i think it looks really good i mm. think the actual prop that they they made it lo- it does look good to me and it does look good i remember seeing it at the uh at the doctor who experience you can oh right they had all of the that series, costumes and stuff out. Mm. Oh. No, no, don't. The Doctor Who experience. <laughs> oh, don't. I think they've actually torn the building down now. Oh, I think God. Dism- oh. Yeah. But yeah, you could see it. And so in the flesh, it does look very good. To me, the thing that let it down a little bit was the movement of it. Maybe that's what it is, because I've yeah. never been able to put my finger on, because it does look good. Like the bit at the end where tenants like poking it and you get a good look at it. The actual prop does look good. It does, yeah. It's just something about it. Maybe it's the movement. Something about it that doesn't 100% work for me. Yeah, I think it's the movement, mate. I think it's a combination yeah. of like when the, when you see Donna face on and you just see the little claw thing coming up on the shoulder. Mm. Uh, it, it's obvious that it's, you know, somebody behind her doing that stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, obvi- it, it's obvious that there's a person, you know, holding it with like a little controller for the little pincers and stuff. Mm. But also when you see more of the um, more of the wider shots where you see its mouth and its jaws moving, that like the head just moves very rigidly. It's a bit mechanical. Mecha- mechanical, it? yeah. So I think it was more to do with more to do with that stuff in terms of movement and stuff. It wasn't quite believable, but I think the look of it was fairly good. And um, one thing that was cool, though, was the sound effect mm, that they that, used for it. That was quite creepy. That was, yeah. Yeah. So that worked quite well. And, I kind of wish that they just, because they built that prop, though, I wish if maybe if they'd just put, because I'm not a big fan of CGI at all, but if they'd maybe got that physical prop and then maybe just used a little bit of CGI to bring it more to life in terms of the way it was animated. Like you said, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head, actually. It is the movements that make it look a bit like a prop. If they'd have just, yeah, enhanced it slightly, 
I think it could have been really creepy that creature yeah instead it does look a bit like a sort of wind up <laughs> toy because i'm thinking to the the scene in Rev- uh, resolution where that thing was on the the girl's back i mean that looked proper horrible and creepy i know it was cgi um and i guess we've you know this is what when was this made 2008 so we're nearly um nine uh, sorry 11 years gosh 11 years um so technology's moved on, I guess. But, you know, if it had just a little enhancement to it, I think. Yeah. Would have been good. It's a very minor nitpick because I yeah, do think it still absolutely works. And I think um, Graham Harper's tried to show as little of it as possible on screen and shoot it quite quickly. And so it does still work. But It does. Yeah. yeah. It's also good other people's reactions to it. Like when they're out, the the pub, thing, yeah. when they're out of the pub and one of her friends. Is that meant to, to be Neris? You know, she's always banging on about Neris, was it? I don't think so. Oh, right. No. Um, but yeah, so it seems like only certain people can see this uh, the, the thing on her. And also the cleaning mm. lady at the hotel. Oh, yeah, the maid, yeah. You know, she... <laughs> oh, no, that's the one bit of the episode, actually, that made me cringe. Well, so the, yeah. the bit where she comes into the room and she freaks out, I thought it was really good. But then it's a bit when they all run outside. Because I look at the big, yeah, like the mushroom cloud explosion's gone off. That's amazing, that shot. Yeah, that was awesome. You know, I think Donna, yeah, they're looking on the TV and the Titanic, because the doctor's not been there to stop it. It's crashed into London, nuclear blast. So they all run outside. Yeah, and then she's kind of got this Homer Simpson, (laughs) not Homer Simpson, you know, um, anyone that's seen Family Guy, uh, some of the early episodes, oh, the, there's the evil monkey that lives in Chris's wardrobe. Yeah. There's a bit where she's kind of doing this same thing. She's like pointing at Donna and she's got this kind of like sort of look on you, her face. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, watch. This is a bit. It's the only little bit in the episode, but it's I just, just thought, why have you directed it like that? It looks like a, a comedy show. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit cringe. I think also the actor's performance probably <laughs> just, uh, she's one of the few supporting <laughs> cast. I probably, she's li- literally in it for seconds as well. Yeah, but yeah. She's probably one, not one of the best actors. Yeah. But, but I, like, I do like the reaction though. Only certain people can see it and then mm. they're sort of fixated on it and they can't look away because there's one of the things they pick up on regularly throughout the episode is whenever Rose looks at her shoulder and stuff, uh, she can't stop looking and Donna keeps noticing that she's looking at her back and on her shoulders and she yeah. keeps brushing it off like nothing. You know, she, just, she doesn't let her know that there's something there until later on in the episode. So it's good. I like the reaction. Yeah, I do too, mate. Yeah. I was going to say this episode as well um, kicks off just like, so I was drawn in immediately so we get a pre-title sequence where Donna's in the tent and I'm absolutely hooked from the word go. And then suddenly the title start and I think, blimey, we haven't even like started yet. And it's already like amazing this episode, <laughs> like the first five minutes where it's like Donna's like, well, what's happening? And you see the sort of thing creeping up behind her. Um, even that beginning just is so good. Um, that woman, the fortune teller, I've just checked. I thought it was. She is... Um, What's the character called in Utopia? She, that's her. Yeah, she, yeah. the assistant th- to, um, what's to, the master. to the master. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was. Um, yeah. And it wasn't because of the looks. Obviously, in that, she's got her prosthetics on. Mm. Um, but it was the voice. Yes. I thought, yeah. um, I recognize that voice. Now, where have I heard that voice? And then I was thinking, it sounds a bit like, what was the character called? 
Um, well, people know Shanso, Sh- Sh- is it? The, yeah, because she ends every sentence with Thor. Do that's right. Yeah, yeah. Do. Um, <laughs> so it's I like that. I really love it when we get to see someone that was obviously in a you know in a mask or whatever in one episode. We mm-hmm. then actually get to see the real person. Like a bit like when we a bit like when um, uh, Michael Wisher turns up, you know, in the Pertwee story, and we're like, oh, it's Davros. We get to see the real person, you know. So I thought that was really good as well. And I thought she was quite creepy. Um, she was, although yeah. although at the end it does borderline into a little bit what you were saying about you know, what are you? Just a little bit. It did get a little bit um, unintentionally funny at the end, but only only a fraction. But yeah, I liked her. Thought thought it was good to. She was good as a fortune teller. Yeah, she was good. Yeah, yeah, especially in the beginning as well, where she kind of steers Donna back on track because Donna mm. tries to question her a little bit and. She's like steering her back. She's like, no, 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 I, I'm not here to tell you your past, you know, talk to me sort of thing. So she reveals a bit more and yeah, she's a good salesman. She gets Donna in the tent. She's like, you got red hair. Yours yeah, she's is free red, today. Free to red hair yeah. <laughs> today. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, um, I'm still just getting goosebumps thinking about the ending and it's made me think about the music. It's made me think about Murray and I'll tell you what, he is on point in this, in this oh, absolutely episode, in yeah. my opinion anyway yeah. i think the music is brilliant and uh, especially at the end when the doctor sort of turns from what was the name what was the name and the music behind him and everything really builds to like it uh, i'll tell you when murray was good he was blimmin amazing when he was when he well, was no, good no, he, was, he was always good but i mean <laughs> there are just there are certain episodes where i think we've said this before he feels a little bit like he's you know, going through the motions a little bit. Um, we sort of get the same on musical stings and stuff. But in this one, it really, the soundtrack really fits everything. It's creepy when it needs to be creepy. It's um, emotional when it needs to be emotional. It's 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 a brilliant soundtrack. It really brings yeah. the episode to life, um, in, especially in those scenes like the end bit and that. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, well, it's a shame we haven't got more of the music from this episode on the soundtrack so the the album yeah. for series four all it's got is a track that's called turn left and it's only two minutes long it's only two minutes and 20 seconds i know uh, we it's... don't hear some of the other lovely little bits from it i'm trying i can't remember the scene now but there's a bit where it almost goes because it's quite orchestral marriage music mm-hmm. a lot of time there's a bit in it you might remember um where it sort of goes a little bit keyboardy and electric a bit, a bit sort of synth and it absolutely fits in with the scene and I, w- I wish i could remember what it was now um it might be a flashback scene and it's sort of i don't know it really takes a turn for the different you know it's a real different style of music and it's so short as well and i just remember that's another thing thinking like murray's really sort of looked at what he's what's on screen and thought yeah this needs this needs a different feel um that's what I mean. When I say he sometimes went through the motions, I always love his music in it. But there are times when I feel like it didn't always suit the scene particularly. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas in this one, everything does. It's as if he's really watched it and thought, yeah, that needs that needs this. This needs to be a bit more keyboard. This needs to be really sweeping strings and violent, you know. So I, I'm sorry I can't remember the scene. I should have written it down. But there's a real cool little... I wouldn't say 80s, but it's got like this synth think, keyboardy yeah. sound. And I thought, oh, well, that's 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 come out of nowhere. I really like that. Is it when they first go into 
the building where they've got the TARDIS wired up, up to Murray. Yeah, sorry. I think it is it in is it the scene where Rose is taking Donna into the unit warehouse bit where they've got the TARDIS wired up to all the mirrors and mm. stuff when they first enter that? Or was it earlier? It might no, be earlier. It could, on. it could be around there. It could be around there. Yeah, I know what you yeah. mean. I can't remember the, the scene, but yeah, mm. I, th- I think Murray just knocked it out of the park for series four in general. But this is it's just really good. I was going to say, especially when you get to that next time trailer and he's providing the background music for that. And it's like, boom, boom. But it just gives you, it's just like blimmin' heck. It's like, it really talk about edge of your seat. I mean, that next time trailer is phenomenal. And I really, as I said, if I'd had more time, because again, I got in quite late last night, I had to watch this literally before I went to bed. Um, if I was so ready to watch the next episode. Oh, right. Um, it, it, absolutely. Yeah. I think I, anyone I, would be. Yeah. Up yeah. For that. Yeah. I remember this, this, this and Utopia when they first aired, literally I could not wait for the week to be over to get to the next episode. Don't talk about leave you wanting more. But I think this one in particular, I just remember being like really mouth open, like OMG, what the hell? Because it's it's got everything in that next time trailer, isn't it? Torchwood, Sarah Jane. Um, what else is in it? It's everything. Rose, obviously, with a big old massive Martha. gun. Yeah, Martha. Daleks, Martha. It's got everything. I just remember thinking, wow, RTD is absolutely throwing everything. He's going out of a bang because this is obviously getting towards towards the end of his era, isn't it? We're yeah. you know we're getting yeah. towards the specials and then. Yeah, I'm right in thinking that, aren't I? Series four, yeah, yeah. it's the specials, wasn't it? And then, yeah. So this is the yeah, end of then, his run for a proper series. For a proper series, yeah. So yeah. This was his last, yeah. like, um, sort of traditional series, if you like, of X amount of episodes. After this, it was the four specials four throughout specials. the year, wasn't it? Yeah. Because it, yeah, and it almost felt to me at the time like Russell was doing, kind of thinking, right, I'm, you know, I'll be off soon. So what haven't I, what haven't I done that I wanted to do as Doctor Who producer? Um, let's bring back Davros in the next one. I mean, that I was so pleased about. Um, ever since the Daleks came back in the new series, I really hoped we'd get to see Davros at some point. And remember just seeing that shadowy figure thinking, come on, <laughs> surely that's got to be there. Yeah. And it was, it was amazing. But anyway, I'm going, I'm going, getting ahead of myself, uh, to stolen earth is the next one isn't it yeah, um yeah. i i may watch that later <laughs> yeah. i may watch it yeah so but i forgot this, to this, sorry i forgot to mention earlier that this was written by russell himself so yeah um i'm gonna throw this out there i know that anyone listening that really likes the latest doctor who is just gonna roll their eyes and you know whatever gary but i think this really shows the difference between someone so the showrunner at the time I think this shows just a huge gap in quality between when RTD was showrunner and he also, you know, got on loads of really talented writers on board to write stuff. But when he decided that he was going to write either the opener or the finale or whatever, the quality in the script and the writing and the character progression just is vast from Chibber's writing for series 11. It, there's, it's, it's, there's definitely a difference in quality for for me personally. Um, and it does come down to the characters. I mean, even Donna's mum, I said it earlier, it feels so um, 
true to life when she's moaning at Donna and putting her down, I've given up on you and all the emotional stuff we get in this as well. Not to mention, I haven't even mentioned uh, Wilf yet. Oh, Wilf, yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's so into it, isn't he? Like, you know, it's aliens, Donna, it's aliens. And he's, he's such a believable character. Um, and I, yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I'm not going to bash the chibs because he's doing his own thing. But um, for me, this is quality television. It's got a real heart to it. Um, it certainly had an effect on me that I haven't had watching Dot 2 recently. And I've seen this episode three or four times, but I still felt something amazing when I switched it off. And that's no lie. That is absolutely, you know, I switched it off and I thought that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And it's 11 years old and I've seen it four times at least, you know, but I was still like, that was fantastic fantastic television mm-hmm. and it, it, in a way you could say it's a sort of not a filler episode but it's a build-up to the final but there is no way this is a, a filler or throwaway episode it is it stands up brilliantly yeah. on its own you know what i mean because it, it, in a way it is a build-up it's not you know the story is a build-up to what's to come so you, you know you could say it's slight filler but it's so much more than that it's, it's superb and that's what's really surprising about it because the doctor's mm. not in it. He's in it for what minutes, mm. you know? Yeah. That's what's so surprising about it. You would have thought that the end of series four tenants last proper series. You think you'd want to make the most of him as the doctor, but then they took that risk and did the doctor light episode as the penultimate one before yeah. the finale. And you think, crikey, that's a big, that's a big risk to take like your star you know, the star of the David Tennant, who has been the guy that's, uh, and I'm 99% sure that if, if uh, Eccleston had gone on and done another two or three seasons, then he would have brought the show up uh, as well. Not, not just David Tennant, but David Tennant's the guy, you know, that, mm. you know, elevated it to like mass, you know, super stardom again. So yeah. he's the he, guy, you know, he's the one that you want front and center. If he's, he's going to be his last proper series, you want him to be there to close it all out. So what a massive risk. I can't, can you just imagine like the production meetings beforehand when they're in pre-production and Russell's like, Tennant's not going to be in the, <laughs> in the first part of the finale. And they're like, what? Yeah. Are you mad? And he's like, no, it's going to be a Donna special and everything. So it was a big risk. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that that wouldn't have sailed through the door as easily as we think. I, I reckon there would have been a lot of pushback from the big wigs at the BBC to, for Russell T Davis and there would have been like we you cannot have the final two parter without David Tennant and he's like no trust me this is going to be an amazing build up we're going to do it's all about Donna and it's going to set up what's going to happen you know in in the next one and they're like oh David Tennant though you know we, yeah. we're paying him a salary at least <laughs> let's make he's the like, most of it have a day off yeah so <laughs> what a risk a though off. what a risk yeah. from Russell though is that, there- yeah is there any other companion that you can think of that could have carried it in terms of new series that you think could have carried this as well as, as Donna? Because for me, she's the heart and soul of this episode. Um, Mm. I've already said, I think her performance is so strong. Um, but do you think any of the other companions, if this was series three or even two, do you think Rose and I'm not trying to bash the other companions. I'm just thinking for me, this works so well, partly because of Catherine's, amazingly strong performance. Um, but I'm thinking if it was Rose, I don't know. I think maybe a point or two might've come off. I don't think, I still think she's a good character, but 
there is something about Donna that is so down to earth and so relatable in terms of her reactions to things like, you know, when they're, you know, when she's getting sacked, when she turns up at the house that they have to sleep in the kitchen, you know, something about her reactions and her arguing with her mum that I so relate to and stuff. Not that I argue with my mum, but, um, you know, it's so down to earth that I just, I don't know. There's, I just think this works so well because of her. She's like the, she really holds, glues the whole episode together for me, um, Donna. Yeah. But, but do you think, you know, imagine well, Martha was good, but would she have been as good, you know? Martha was good, yeah. But I don't think she would have been strong enough in her I, I, in her um in her performance and also just from her character her character and her family her character's family are just very different can you imagine so, this with clara for example with clara um i can i mean this is the thing with i with all of the companions and if you, do you know what when you just said that it's really funny because i was thinking could could rose have pulled this off maybe could martha have done it maybe well that's it and you're like what about clara i'm like Wow, I've completely forgot about Clara. Mm. Wow, that's terrible. Um, I think all of them could have done it to an extent, but they just wouldn't have been as strong and relatable as Donna. I think they mm. could have they could have somewhat pulled it off, but it wouldn't have been nowhere near as good. For me, the yeah. only one I can think of would be possibly Bill. I, th- I can imagine uh, Bill sort of getting stuck into it, but I, I still just don't think any of them I and mean, this is probably because i'm biased and like because i she is my favorite companion donna of the new series but i just think she just works so well in the story and i've got to give credit to russell to the writing as well i i get a little bit of years and years vibes from this you know like when they're being evacuated and stuff i was thinking his style of writing just flows so well mm-hmm. um that i can't take you know i can't take anything away from russell it maybe not everything he did was amazing but of course no, nobody's work is. Um, but when he got it right, man, he got it. And he definitely got what Doctor Who was about. Crikey, yeah. yeah. It's just you know? his character. We've said this so many times on the mm. show. It's his use of character mm. and how he writes for those characters and their progression is just so... It's night and day difference with Chris Chibnall. And I, and I hate saying I don't really don't mean to, to like, you know, start bashing him again And because I'm sure there's lots of listeners and fandom in general that really likes Jodie's doctor and what they're doing right now and stuff. But the, for me, the difference in quality in writing between Russell and Chibbers is like vast. It's massive. Even with little characters, he gets some, um, like, you know, the guy who's welcoming them, welcoming in them to his house. Um, he's like, come on, everybody having fun. You know what I mean? Oh, it, Rocco. It's like a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even him, he's like such a fun little side character. And then before you know it, he's getting taken away and, um, Wolf is like, it's happening again. And you think, what's that? Where's he going? So you've got this really minor little character that's been on screen for like minutes. And suddenly you're, you're, you're worried about them thinking, well, why, where are they going? Are they being going off to be killed? What's happening here? So, you know what I mean, again, you care about the characters um, in this, even, even little minor characters. I, I think those scenes are, are quite funny, actually, yeah, especially when Donna's yeah. like, all right, I've had enough of this singing. And then they move aside and it's Wolf that's, in the middle of it all, she's like, oh, for, I should have known. Yeah. You know, and then within those... a second, they're all down there singing. And, yeah. You know, that's what I mean. That That's, you hit the nail on the head there. You, that, even though that character is on screen for a short amount of time, mm. when they are getting carted off, 
you absolutely care and you're emotionally attached, even though mm. they've only been on screen for a little while because they've been written in a way that is relatable and also is believable. That's the and important likeable. thing. And likeable, yeah. Oh, this guy, you know, you know, it's just funny and... Yeah, yeah, because he's he's the head of that family. It's clear. I don't know mm. where. I don't know if if his wife was there or if she'd already gone or she's been killed. I can't remember. But him and his children and stuff. You can tell that in the middle of this giant beep storm, mm. you know, he's laughing and joking. He he feels like he has to be the strong, supportive pillar of the family because it is in stark contrast to Donna's mum. So when they turn up there's a scene where the camera's just on Donna's mum as Donna's coming in from the back and the look on Sylvia's face is like she has had enough. She is like yes. ready yeah. to throw in the towel. You can see it. So you've got this contrast of someone like Sylvia and those guys who are used to having their nice London house and car and everything. They get to this place and they're all going to be squished into... um all going to be squished into the the kitchen basically and yeah. uh yeah it's just um the contrast is, is 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 really there for you to grab hold of because Rocco's really like hey this is gonna be amazing <laughs> everybody has fun yeah. here yeah and I it's, love that. yeah it's those little moments where just seconds within seconds russell has made you emotionally attached to those people so that when something bad happens and Wilf is devastated, he, he knows exactly where they're going, Yeah, you know, and Donna's not quite clicked yet what's going on, but Wilf's, you know, he's, he's been there and he's done seen it, it all so. before. Yeah. yeah. And it's just yeah. that scene, that scene lasts for what? Three minutes, mm. whatever it is out of this amazing episode. And you're in tears almost, you know, it hits you. I was, you, I was, chokes I was you up. emotionally, I was going to say I was choked up. I wasn't in tears uh, but I was close to I was choked up a couple of times in this episode, um, all for the right reasons as well. That was one of them. Um, I, there was There's other nice little moments, and they're very typical Russell, uh, like when he's saying the Americans have all turned into fat adipose. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, Russell, a little, sly little sort of thing in there. Um, but again, bringing the adipose back in, I'd completely forgotten about all that. Uh, which I thought was a nice touch as well. It was. And, yeah. and a nice little thing. I'm always pleased when we see our, is she Canadian or American newsreader? I always like to like her when she pops up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. in it throughout, isn't she, the, the earlier stuff? Yeah, yeah. She's all, she always pops up. Yeah, it's funny. It's like, we it must call the actress, but we need you for another scene. Oh, right, okay, I'll be over in five minutes. Yeah. And, you know, just to yeah. film these little news segments. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I like the uh, I like the direction this as well. Graham Harper did Graham a, Harper, yeah. a decent job. What I like about it mm. is it's um it's the 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 run of the mill it's not one of those what I mean is it's a run of the mill story in terms of its being ordinary, I think is the best mm. way to put it. There's no big space battles in this one, you know, intergalactic time hopping no big space nebula scenes, you know, nothing like that. This is all on earth for the most part. And it has to be, it has to roll along and also kind of support the fact that they're going through these real world struggles. So there's no like crazy camera angles. There's no huge, crazy pans going on. It's all kind of, it's completely focused on the characters. Cause also there's no, mm. There's no big, amazing sets either. You know, there's nothing 
really going on. It's all kind of set in someone's house or an office mm. or in the pub or out in the street. So it really, it's kind of like an invisible brilliance, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, you, I know what you mean. You know, yeah. you appreciate it because it really focuses and makes them, focuses in on and makes the most of the characters because it's a real character mm. piece and it doesn't distract. It's like it does its job and that's exactly what it's there to do. Graham Harper's just, it, you can tell that, well, I think you can tell anyway, that there wasn't even any discussion around, shall we get this big crane in and we'll mm. swoop down and we'll we'll do all that stuff. There's a couple of little bits, like when Donna's inside the mirror circle and stuff, and there's a, a oh, lot yeah, of quick yeah. edits and quick cuts and stuff, and that's quite cool. Yeah. And uh, and there's a couple of bits where later on in the episode, more, more really at the beginning in the market, that's quite cool. That shot quite nicely. I love all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, and then at the end when they run out and the bad wolf stuff is everywhere. Mm. So that's kind of cool, and that picks the pace up in those scenes. But for the most part, it's just a real solid everything just works. It just all sort of slots in nicely. It's really well directed. Yeah. I think Graham does a good job with this. And I, I, um, I think as a whole, the production stands up really well. Like, uh, even the, the, cause I'm guessing they've reused, you know, like the CGI of the big star, you know, when it's getting blown to pieces and it's all sort of splintering off. Um, is that, re- that, that must be reused. I assume from, it's not like new, no, I think CGI, so. yeah. but it looks yeah. really good. I mean, we're talking, yeah, as I said, nearly over 10 years, 11 years ago. Um, I think production wise, it still really looks good. Um, I suppose the only set, and I'm not even sure if it is a set, is the beginning part in the market, or is that a real street that they've dressed? I'm not sure, but, um, but production like wise, it looks really good. You know, like when the army come in and start taking people away and we're supposed to be in Leeds, that's another funny bit. <laughs> I'm not going to Leeds it's like yeah. yes you are yeah. uh, all that stuff yeah. um but yeah it all it all looks really good um in terms of production I think there wasn't anything I thought that looks a bit ropey well, apart from like I said the bug on the back I mean it looks good but if I was being picky I could say that that could have been better but mm. overall production and, and direction I thought were, were really good agreed yes mm. should we rattle through some some cast members yeah yeah so we had the uh, so Chippo Chung, who was the fortune teller, uh, she was good. I thought she was really good at playing that. Uh, it's almost like a theatre, like a bit of theatre at the beginning and at mm. the end. Because we can see, as the viewer, that this woman's evil. Yeah, we can all right. Yeah, we can all see it. It's a bit like a theatre, you know, he's behind you. Yeah. You know, when you're trying to make the the lead character realize that something's going on. So the audience is shouting. So we can all see as a viewer that this something's not right. She's, you know, she's got an evil plan afoot. And has she uh, been, but, um, has she been taken over by the trickster? I'd like to think she's a good person. That's the trickster's gone into a tent and cause we all know what, what he's like. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know for <laughs> certain, but yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, we we can all tell that she's she's evil and stuff. But Donna can't see it. Donna's just kind of in a good mood. She's out with the doctor. Ah, Do you know what I mean? That's the other thing. There's such a good vibe. That yeah. that's what I was saying about the beginning of this. Her and the doctor are just having so much fun traveling together at the start of this, aren't they? She actually says something like, "Oh, I'm just really happy and relaxed," and such a nice warm start to this. Yeah, I think she yeah. even says that, doesn't she? That the, the she fortune does, teller's yeah. like, you know, I can make you happy or something like that. Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm feeling pretty happy right as now. I am sort of right now, yeah. So that's what I mean. Donna can't see it. She's just high off 
you know, being in a great mood and she's off doing stuff. And mm. so she can't see it, but we're all like, no, <laughs> don't run do out. It. Yeah, run yeah. out. So I think that character and the actress, sorry, uh, Chippo Chung, she just does that brilliantly where she's not, she's not like a, she's not like a coming across as over the top. She's got these subtle little things where she looks down and she can see the beetle off in the distance, but she doesn't reveal what That's she's looking bit. at. And, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, like I said earlier, like Donna tries to like fob her off a little bit and she brings her back in. And so I thought she was pretty good actually. Yeah. Cause she yeah. looks scared as well. Does she, when the beat was on her back, she's looking a bit like, Oh, I want, you know, I want to get away from it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Lorraine Velez, who played the Spanish maid Is that the in the hotel. Monkey? Yeah. I've got, I've got to say, man, she's like, I, I really like the bit in the room where mm. she sees, she can in see it and she starts freaking out. It's that bit afterwards outside I know. the evil <laughs> monkey, but it's, uh, and I say that from like a reference from family guy. It's just yeah. like Chris's monkey in the cupboard. It's just, it's doing the evil point. Like, yeah, like, exactly. Like anyone that's yeah. seen the evil monkey in, in family guy, you'll know exactly what we mean. If we don't know what I mean, just Google it. It's, Maybe Chris um, Harper had seen it and said, oh, I know what look we need here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, moving on. Spanish made. Yeah. Um, fortune teller pretty good. Uh, what about uh, what about Rocco then? Joseph Long. Uh, is that the guy in the house? Yeah. yeah. Bit have a good time. I liked yeah. him. He was good. Liked, Apparently he was in Who Before. Funny. Was he? Yeah, he was in the... Uh, he was in the episode... Um, uh, sorry, no, he was in uh, Doctor Who later on. He was in Extremis. Oh, the Capaldi one? Yeah. Oh, that three-parter. Oh, do you know, I always I always get a little bit like, oh, it was so co- close to being really good, that three-parter. Yeah, he played oh, one of the popes. I have to go back and revisit yeah. that. I'll keep an eye out for him. Don't well, remember him in it. But, sorry, yeah. I don't mean sorry, one of the popes. He played the pope. Oh, the pope. All right, yeah. okay. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. But in this, though, he's really sort of happy-go-lucky, Inside, he's kind of, you know, probably his inner turmoil is probably being suppressed by his humour and his upbeat, you know, positive outlook. Yeah. But that all sort of comes to the front, really, when he's on the back of the truck. Yeah. And he's comforting his uh, his daughter or, um, yeah, and it's off to it's one of those It's just a bit camps. where he's like to his kid as well, hey, you got to watch this one. It's just, <laughs> I don't know, just so yeah. likeable. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's good, actually. He is good. He's, he's, well, he is good because you buy into his character. Yeah. So his performance is pretty good. What about Sylve? Actually, I thought she was really good, Donna's mum. Um, uh, Jacqueline King. Yeah, I, I, good in the sense that she, I think she plays the character really good in this episode. Her and her and Catherine are quite opposites in terms of her mum's always moaning and putting her down. And there's that scene where she looks really depressed mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, I've just, given up on you, Donna, and all that sort of thing. But I thought the performance from Sylvia Noble in this was brilliant, um, especially in the car when she's really nagging poor old Donna. <laughs> she's like, well, you're never going to make anything. I know you want a man. You're only doing it to get a man. <laughs> and all that. I just, I, I just really thought her performance was really good. Um, her and Catherine just bounced off each other very well in this. In terms of the whole mother-daughter friction, um, I thought they were great together. But yeah, really good, I thought, Sylvia Noble. Uh, Jacqueline King. Jacqueline King, yeah, she is <laughs> and good. Sylvia, yeah. And Sylvia, no, but yeah, I thought really good performance from her. Yeah, because she's known, isn't she, throughout the episodes that she's in as just being the nagging old 
Yeah, mum. she's always so, nagging poor old Donna. Yeah, so it's good to see her play something else, and another emotion, I suppose, other than just frustration mm. with Donna. It's good to I, see her. Um, you know, like I said, she's re- she's ready to give up at one point. I, I really like the fact they bring in Donna's uh, dad is mentioned. I think twice actually. She's like, "Oh, your dad would have loved this," um, and I think she mentions him earlier as well. Because um, obviously Donna win, you know, they win that competition because Rose's tipped her off. But that's really nice because the actor who played Donna's dad uh, passed away, I think, and so they sort of had to write him out. I think I think that's why Wilf, the Wilf character, gets brought back. I think I always get a bit confused with this one, but um, so I I like the fact that you know they haven't sort of just forgotten the character they still mentioned Donna's dad and all that sort of thing so that was a nice moment I thought she's like you know oh your dad would have loved it here when they when they win that prize and stuff yeah oh yeah yeah you know and she's like oh take those silly things off your head to <laughs> to Wilf and all that you know again they did as, as those three characters Sylvia Wilf and Donna feel to me like real people mm-hmm. that like, I re- just think they work incredibly well together. Those three, because they're all completely different. You've got Wilf who's just balmy and you've got Donna who's Donna and you know, she's the nagging mum, and they just, they feel like a real family to me. Those three. They do. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Wilf then? Old Bernard, old Cribbins. Well, he's great, isn't he? He's it, so it, good. It, yeah. He's so good. It amazes me actually what a, cracking little actor Bernard Cribbins is he really is a great actor um when the stars are going out and all that stuff oh yeah you know he's brilliant at the series he's a bit like Catherine Tate really he's brilliant at the serious stuff and he's great at the comedy without going over the top like the silly deer antlers and stuff like that he's a he's just a superb little actor and a brilliant character Wilf Mm -hmm. you know I love the fact he's so into aliens and believing it and you know, I can relate to that side of things. And yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's a great character, Wilf. I'm so glad that he's sort of like a proper regular at this point in the show. Um, him and Catherine are brilliant together. Absolutely brilliant together. They do make you know, a good When team. they're on the hill yeah. together yeah. and she's clearly, there's so much love between the two. Um, I feel like they were probably like that in real life, but the characters certainly. Mm-hmm. There's a real love between Donna and Wilf, isn't there? You can tell, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I love that Bernard Cribbins really gets into it as well. He's he not does. one of these guys that just kind of goes through the motions and stuff. There's a couple of scenes where, like you mentioned, when they're looking through the telescope and you can see that one of the constellations has gone and then she's like, what are you talking about? And he's really into it. He's like, I'm telling you, oh, they're all going out and stuff. And yeah. he's, he's into it. And and on the other side of the coin, he plays that really good emotional stuff as well. Like when Rocco's being carted off, he's tearing up and he's ready to he's, cry. And he's great. At, yeah, he's got a good he's range, really hasn't he? That stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has got a good range. Yeah, yeah. no, he genuinely has because uh, he's such a good actor. Yeah, and the character's good as well. I love Wilf. He's such a. I do. Yeah, and and the 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 stuff that you see later on with him and Tennant in things like The End of Time and stuff. He's so brilliant. Oh yeah, brilliant. yeah. It had to be you. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm going, oh, going, no. going ahead of myself. <laughs> the four oh. knocks and oh my god, um, this is going to turn. Me, get the tissues out. Yeah, come on. Uh, right, uh, Billy Piper. Then, so Rose, we kind um, of spoken about her, but um, I'm really... not really liking Rose in this. I'll be honest with you. Watching it again last night, nothing to do with Billy's performance particularly. 
I just don't like this sort of... I know what you, you explained earlier. I know why they've made her a bit harder and edged and stuff, but um, she sends poor old Donna back and Donna sort of works out a bit too quickly. Actually, I was thinking, how does Donna know she's got a... I was, you know, Donna works out very quickly that she's got a jump in front of that truck. And I thought, I don't know, that's a little clunky in terms of writing for me, but I'm, I'm not going to dwell too much on it because it totally works in terms of the story but then rose appears at the end and whispers bad wolf in her ear and why didn't rose blimmin jump in front of the truck you know it feels <laughs> a little bit like oh so you could yeah. get there then you managed to get there okay did you um i don't know that little end bit for me is a just a tad clunky um but it's mainly down to rose for me i don't really like the way she's written in this she's too harsh to donna um she's just not sympathetic enough there's moments in this where she could have quite easily just explained stuff and put Donna at ease. Um, and I guess as a sort of dramatic point of view, Russell's written it that she doesn't do that. But um, mm, yeah. I'm just not a fan of Rose's character in this one particularly, uh, but it's nothing to do with Billy's performance. She's perfectly good in it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just no, found I myself you. getting a bit annoyed with Rose. No, uh, to I be honest, I completely read you, mate. It's um, like I said, I can, that's why I think she is the way she is in this one. But there are a couple of little hints that let you into why she's like that. So there's a bit when they turn up at the, the scene with the TARDIS and the sort of makeshift time machine. Mm. And I think Donna asks her a question or something. And Rose does actually say, no, nope, I can't, you know, even one little word alters the course of history and stuff. Yeah. So I think Rose is, is going down this line of, look, the less you know up until you need to know, is the better because I, I get you. I think that's yeah. what Russell's trying to do with that character. I think he's just trying to get Rose to gently steer Donna down this path of this meat and getting her back in time to affect the history mm-hmm. without having to actually spell it all out for her. Because I think if she does that, there's a chance that uh, Donna would react not the way that she wants her to, and then she's going to run off and she's not going to be able to get her to do it and all that stuff. So I think it's just, on one hand, you can absolutely see it. It's like, why is she being so cold? And why is she mm. being so non-informative about all this? Surely she could just explain everything and then rely on Donna's compassion to be like, oh, okay, right, I'll do it. But that's a huge risk. Because at this point, remember, the doctor's already died. All these bad things that happened, like it's absolutely crucial Mm. that Donna goes back at this point. Yeah, so I think I mean, so I think Rose is just trying to do that in with the least amount of information until she's absolutely needs to tell her. That's what I think anyway. Yeah, I think there I think you're probably right. I just I think it's just when Donna's like, "Oh, I get what you mean. I'm going to die in this life, but I'll live in the next." And I think she could have been like, "Yeah, that's it." <laughs> I'll just give her a false hope. Yeah. Cuz that yeah. is kind of what happens, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, so she, why didn't she just be like, yes, you'll be fine. Just, you know, get on with it, Donna. Well, but, um, I think if she'd have done that, then Donna wouldn't have realised that she had to die. If she, if Rose had have said to her, yeah, you're going to be fine, you're not going to die, then Donna might have I been suppose, like, yeah. Donna might have been like, oh, I don't, I don't have to sacrifice myself then because, you know, according to Rose, everything's going to be fine. I just need to get back to the car. So... It, yeah, it, the, the yeah. writing is a little bit cl- you are right it's a tiny bit clunky that bit mm-hmm. towards the end and the the other thing that i didn't get when i first watched it was if rose knows where donna's gonna be 
why didn't Rose just go back to that point maybe a minute or so before and just put out a couple of cones or something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> in the road. Exactly. So she wouldn't why have to die. Don't have to jump. Exactly. That, that's yeah. the other thing. I think there are bits where, why, when I say I don't really like Rose in this story that much, is because for me, I'm sort of picking up that jealous vibe again. She gets, she's sort of looking at Donna as if, oh, he's traveling with you now, is he? And um, <laughs> yeah. she's like, go on, go and have a look at the TARDIS then. And, I think, doesn't Donna actually say to her, oh, were you, were you and him? She doesn't answer. She just pulls that face. Oh, like, no, yeah. you weren't, Rose. Get over it. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. I just, it's it's that sort of more sort of bratty Rose that we get later on that I'm just not as enamoured with. as I like her in the first series a lot, but she starts to get a little bit too selfish towards the end. But yeah, yeah. but I get what you're saying. It does, that does make sense as well. Totally yeah. get that. And, and yeah. maybe Rose could only go to that point because that's on Donna's time stream. Maybe yeah. Rose couldn't just flit in and out of everything. Because I suppose if she could, she would have done some other stuff to prevent what's going she on. So She could have put some cones out there. At the, yeah. <laughs> the and I think maybe it also, <laughs> I think maybe it also links into the trickster thing, the beetle. I yeah. think they mention it a couple of times that... That's got to be killed sort of thing. Yeah, for everyone else, it would be a harmless thing that they would never know. But because of who Donna is, and the the doctor mentions it at the end of the episode, he's like, "Why do I keep meeting you? You're like something's there's something about yeah. you. It's like you know." So they kind of allude to Donna being this very special person, um, and I think the reason why Rose sort of latches on to popping up in Donna's time stream is because of this this beetle on her back that's changed everything. So they need to use that you know, in order to sort of send her back and stuff like that. So it kind yeah, of does true. link in, you know, if he's caught. It does work actually thinking about it. Yeah. Cause they've got to, they've got to sort of get that version of Donna kill because of the beetle and exactly. everything. And yeah. yeah, yeah, it does make sense actually. Yeah. But, but, um, but then again, that's another benefit of, it just sounds like a bit of a love letter to Russell T Davis, but that's the other good thing about this episode is that you don't really need to overthink it too much and pay too much attention. You can just appreciate the episode as a good as a good thing. But if you do mm. give it a bit of thought afterwards, you're like, ah, right. Yeah. It's because of that and that. And yeah. Stuff yeah. Like that's that. true. So, it does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Rose, yeah. Bit of a different version, I suppose that we've seen in the past, but yeah, she's kind of cool though. She is. I, I like cool. the way she kind of just turns up now and again. I yeah. quite like all that stuff. It's mysterious, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Oh, she's like, I do like the bit where she says to Donna, um, I'll see you in three weeks when you're ready or something. And Don's like, what do you mean? <laughs> All <laughs> that stuff. So that's kind of good. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you'll, you'll agree, but not, not yet sort of thing. So Rose seems to sort of know what's going to happen and all that, yeah. which is, yeah, kind of like that mystery. Yeah. I also like it. the, uh, the back to the future style mm. of entrance and exit that Rose does. Like there's a bit yeah. where she runs off down this alleyway. There's a big flash of blue lightning yeah. and stuff. It's a bit like in some of the, you know, I think it's back to the future two or something where, the doc jumps in a DeLorean when he drives around a corner. There's just a big flash of lightning and he's off yeah. to a different time. So that's, that's kind of cool. I, I like how strong Donna is with her as well. Like I think the sort of second before last meeting and Donna's like, why, why don't you just, you know, tell me what's going, is she really sort of like, why are you saying that with Rose? She sort of says the things that you would, would say, you know, like, 
why don't you just tell me sort of thing? Like, why do you keep popping up every two minutes? And so I do, I do like the sort of chemistry between Donna and Rose, you, two very different companions. Um, and they work quite well together, actually. Absolutely. And you can see why Rose appreciates what she sees in Donna because uh, yeah. you know, she can see why the doctor chose her as a companion. There's a bit, a little bit of admiration there from Rose. Yeah. You can see yeah. why. Yeah. Um, Okay, we've spoken about Catherine Tate at length. Obviously, she's just just brilliant, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yep. Yeah, and then the little bits that Tennant is in it, he's really good. Especially the end, like the beginning, is kind of a bit of a throwaway. He's just there having a good old time, and that's all good. And then we don't see him till the end. But the end, crikey, we said it. You know that scene where he just switches, where he realizes that it's Rose that she's seen, and then she yeah. utters the the words, and he's off. And oh, it's just. That's really well done. Yeah. Considering how little he's in it, he's mm. amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like I say that just that ending as well. It um, just reminds me um, how good David was as the Doctor. I really don't think I appreciated him at the time. I I was sort of fell into that he's a little bit too human category for a while. Um, and uh, but as uh, as I go back and watch him again, I just realise how much I really like him as the Doctor actually. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it seems like that to remind me. I mean. I don't don't know that he's like uh, top of my list. I I think he's great as the Doctor, um, but I think I always sort of there are things about like Eccleston and Matt Smith in particular that I sort of edged more towards as mm-hmm. my sort of type of Doctor. But um, but yeah, as he's considering now, little he's in this, he's great. That end scene is just awesome. Yeah, uh, with all the bad wolf stuff kicking in and. Um, and the next time trailer, I know I keep saying it, but my word, um, <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Uh, we, you alluded to earlier. I'm just going to say it. This, when I switched this off, I reminded me how good Doctor Who used to be in my opinion, which I have to obligatory say nowadays when <laughs> comparing it to, or mentioning anything to do with the series, um, 11, but uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. What we're both thinking. I switched this off and I thought, man, that was absolutely fantastic. That is how I wish Doctor Who was now in terms of how I enjoy the show. You know, mm-hmm. if you're loving series 11, Charlie and uh, Jodie, brilliant. But for me, this is this for me is is Doctor Who. I gave me chills. You yeah, know, it's brilliant. Well, that's exactly it, isn't it? I, don't, I can't I don't know a story in series 11 that when it finished, I had goosebumps and I thought, oh, my God, like next week is just too long. I, I want to watch the next one immediately. There, there is a, there's a different feel to it mm-hmm. definitely and that's that can be a good thing because it's you know a show has to evolve but just for me personally um this had a different feel to it and it's more my kind of doctor who yeah. that's the only way i can explain it um yeah. and it's diffi- it's difficult also to to kind of explain that without sounding mm. like just the grumpy old yeah, because we're not like at I'm all. Dissing, it sounds you know. like I'm dissing what we've got now, and I suppose in a sense I am. But I'm just saying it's my personal preference. This is kind of how this just reminded me how great I or how much I used to really love the show, and uh, there's definitely an element of that that's gone for me at the minute. Yeah. Um, but it's you know things have to change. Things you know we can't have the same old same old, um, obviously. So you know yeah. it's just a different feel. Um, but for me, it just left me really <laughs> absolutely ready to go on to the next episode. Like you, I haven't felt like that for a while. Yeah. And you can only judge things on your own personal um, experience of it, I suppose. And like I said, with Series 11, there were parts of Series 11 that I really liked. 
there were some episodes that I really, really liked. And there's elements of Jodie's Doctor that I really like. The difference is, though, after watching those, um, I just didn't have the same feeling afterwards. I didn't have that feeling of, you know, if I didn't have to go to bed now, I'd be up watching this one without a doubt. And it just... I've not had goosebumps or chills watching any of series 11. I've enjoyed some of it. Absolutely. But I've just not had that same kind of reaction to it that you get with this stuff. And like you said, anyone that is, you know, absolutely loving series 11 and Jodie, then that, that is great. I'm, it's, it's great that you're feeling that stuff about this, that we do about this one. Mm. So that's all good. But yeah, you know, and I was going to say, to, to balance it, I don't know that I, you you just said then when did I last feel like this? And I to sort of balance things, I don't think I've had that since the tenant era. I don't. There's been you know I've, I've, there's been that same sort of feeling towards I love Matt as the Doctor and some of Capaldi. I thought Capaldi was a great Doctor, but but I'm thinking that whole thing of Russell managed to capture this really leaving you wanting more vibe. Um, so maybe not just series 11, you know, I think maybe that drifted off for me somewhere towards probably Capaldi's era, although I really liked series 10, but I'm trying to think really when I last got that, Oh, you know, OMG moment, like I do with a lot of the RTD era. Um, you know, there were flashes of it with 11 and 12, but, uh, I think really what I guess I'm trying to say is I think the RTD era for me is perhaps the sort of golden era when I go back and rewatch it. I still get that buzz, I think. As much as I enjoyed, you know, Capaldi's era and Smith's era, um, were there, I don't know, were there moments um, like this then? Yeah, I mean, there, there was a couple of moments within Matt Smith's era that I felt were were amazing and some really well, good stuff, especially in Series 5. Yeah, I mean, Series 5 is, is great. It's really good, yeah. Mm. But I don't remember just getting just crazy goosebumps and being moved in this mm. way i think that's what is it, it that's what it is for me i just don't remember feeling i don't know it you know different things are different people i suppose but yeah i don't remember feeling it throughout capaldi's era i appreciated a lot of the stuff then i loved some of his stuff loved him as the doctor at various points when they finally got his writing down for him consistently and stuff mm. but i think yeah just I, the rtd era is definitely my favorite era of modern doctor who um, yeah so and uh, yeah i think you're the same way on on that but it's just i think the thing is because we've watched this episode and it is a particularly strong one i think it's just reminded us of of sort of when when they really got sort of hit their stride i think mm, yeah, yeah um i think this is just a reminder of that that man they really did hit their stride during this era i think yep, so not yep. necessarily to sort of bad mouth what came before or after it but this is a particularly strong one, I think. And it just hammers home like, wow, you know, this is good stuff. We had it good <laughs> back in 2008. This was good stuff. <laughs> we had it good, dude. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> anything else you want to mention, dude? I think it's time to uh, put a score on it. Yeah, let's put a score on it. Um, no, I don't think so. I'm sort of looking through my list and I think we've pretty much covered it. I think it's fair to say I've I just think it's a great, great episode. Yeah. yeah. Same, uh, who's, same. Whose time is it to go first? Me, I believe. Yeah, I think it's you, yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go in with a nine. Yeah, I'm the same. Oh, the same, cool. I'm a nine as well, yeah. It's only really taken off a point for, um, I think, Rose, um, as I said, slightly clunky 
just a fraction clunky towards the end. Um, but I think you probably straighten that out. It had to sort of do it that way. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a nine. It's a, it's a cracker. It, it is. It's, a, it's yeah. right up there as one of my favorite for the new series, um, along with like Utopia and um, Bad Wolf Part of the Ways. They just instantly always come to mind mm-hmm. as yeah. as episodes I could watch again and again and again. Yeah. Now this is a belter of a story. It's got everything in there, really. It's got great performances, especially from Catherine Tate. It's got emotional stuff. It's quite dark, um, but it's also quite funny as well in a lot of places. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, there were moments yeah. that really did make me laugh. Yeah, it's just but great. that's down to yeah. Donna. Just that's down to Catherine and her performance. Um, yes, she yeah. manages to switch quite nicely into the comedy stuff. I think. Yes. Yeah. Defo. Well, as our scores, what do our awesome listeners think? We had a few mm. audio clips in this week for this one. Oh, good. Uh, first one up, our regular reviewer. This is Sammy from Down Under. Gary, Gary and I'm Sammy Satine here. So turn left. Russell, you mad genius. This is basically taking inspiration from It's a Wonderful Life, but making it more sci-fi and more bleak. The reference to labor camps is done well. Adults will know what it is and kids will get the idea it was obviously something horrible. I love Donna. She's my favorite new series companion and her lovely grandfather Wilf is always a joy to see. Silvery is good in this too. Captain Marisa McGumbo turns up again in Planet of the Dead. I can't blame Donna for freaking out about a giant beetle being on her back. I would too. Nice reference to the trickster too. I give it 10 trickster beetles out of 10. See ya. A ten. I knew we'd have a ten early on. Yep. I'd forgotten. We'd forgotten about Captain Magambo. Yeah, I thought she popped up again. Oh, with unit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A ten out of ten, Sammy. Thank you, Sammy. Good stuff. Uh, Moving on. This is Lee Clow. Hey guys. Well, you asked for it. So here's another audio review by me, Lee Clow. So turn left. What a crack of an episode this is in series four. I love this story so much. The fact it doesn't even have the Doctor in it for most of the episode just shows how good of a writer Russell T Davis is. Huge credit has to go to Catherine Tate for her stunning performance. I love the callbacks to Tortured and Sarah Jane as this shows how connected the Doctor universe is. And I've got to talk about that cliffhanger. What a cliffhanger. It is amazing and grips you for the next two episodes. So yeah, brilliant basically. 10 out of 10 for me. Cheers, guys. See you next week. Cheers, Lee. A 10. Another 10. Another 10. I said your name wrong as well. Lee Clow. I think it's Lee Clow. Sorry about that. Another 10. Yeah, some good points there, mate. It's going well so far. Uh, yeah. So let's carry on the 10 train, shall we? Luke yes. Malloy. Hello, Gary and Adam. I'm back and glad to be talking about Turn Left. I love this story. This is possibly the darkest Doctor Who's ever been, but this... Extreme darkness is balanced by extreme comedy as well. Uh, Sylvia steals this episode. Her face is just sad, depressed face, steals near enough every scene she's in. And it's so dark. I mean, Donna, it really brings out Donna's insecurities. Uh, Sylvia saying, I gave up on you. It's terrible. And then the labour camps is such a punch in the stomach it's horrible but as i said it's balanced by uh, extreme comedy that it's possibly got one of the best lines in doctor who which is don't tell me the hospital's back well isn't that wizard 
It's brilliant. It's action-packed. And at the end of it, you get the last minute, which just even now excites you into that euphoric state, like, oh, my God, what's going on? The universe said it's bad wolf. My God, this is how you end an episode. And this is how you do an episode. It's fantastic. Uh, 10 out of 10 for me. Yay! Another, another 10, ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> Begin to think we've scored this a bit low. I know. With an, <laughs> thank you very much, Luke. Uh, yes, you are correct as well. The last few minutes just pumps you up and gets you ready uh, to carry on. Thank you very much, Luke. And then lastly, this is Matt Steele. Hello, Gary and Adam. Matt Steele here again. Hope you guys well and had a good week. So this week, turn left. Yeah, I think this is one of probably the best episodes of Doctor Who and one of the best seasons of Doctor Who, in my opinion. I think Catherine, uh, Jacqueline and Bernard Cribbins all give wonderful performances. It's an extremely interesting concept, having the Doctor killed when defeating the Ragnos, and seeing how life unfolds without him to save the day, leading to the demise of every spin-off character and Captain Jack stuck on the Sontaran homeworld. Even the Queen meets a grisly end. Anyone who said that Catherine Tate was a bad choice for a companion when she was chosen surely had to eat their own words after watching this phenomenal story. Probably the only thing that annoyed me with this episode is I can't help but hear Rose's this weird lisp in her voice. I'm not really sure why, but this is Doctor Who at its finest, and no matter how many times I watch this one, I'll never get bored of it. I give Turn Left a very deserving 10 out of 10. Have a good week, guys. I'll see you again. Yay! Yeah, another ten out of ten. Actually, it's weird. I think, I think Billy Piper must have had something done to her teeth because it's been mentioned a few times. She's got this, I don't know, sort of lisp that she didn't have before. She mm. must have had some something done to her teeth. I think. Yeah. Well, she had the money at that point. <laughs> yeah. Some dental work done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for your audio clips. Tens all round from our audio reviewers. Thank you so much. Uh, over on the Twitter. Uh, Genesis of Androzani says what an absolute classic this is top five stuff for me a dark harrowing character story for Donna and her family in with a very clever sci-fi twist and I love how it ties I love how it ties previous events into it and Russell having consequences for them all uh, life without the doctor is hell 10 out of 10 another 10 another 10 uh, Darren Morrison says great start to this epic finale uh, the way the episode is put together is clever and wonderfully filmed and acted. Catherine, Bernard and Jacqueline are great, as well as the great return for Billy. 9.5. 9.5. Uh, our writer Jordan Shortman says, a very dark and exciting adventure. As always, Catherine Tate puts in an excellent performance, and even Billy Piper doesn't annoy me here. Uh, <laughs> the world, and indeed the universe without the Doctor, does barely scarce thinking about one of my favourite modern era episodes. Uh, I love the Doc says uh, brilliant from start to finish i also love how every main character from torchwood and sja at the time meet a grisly demise because of the doctor dying plus i think it was really clever of russell to tie the villain of the story to the trickster from sja yeah uh, creative claire says uh, this episode is a true masterpiece it totally makes you appreciate how every decision matters Donna truly shined in this episode, and I love the respect Rose has for her. Uh, showed maturity for Rose when she reacted with respect instead of jealousy like she met SJS. Mm. Uh, Sarah Louise, the running Whovian, says, This episode is a great example of how choosing a different path can be life-changing, and it was interesting to explore Donna's lack of belief in herself. Uh, a great story, well-delivered, and good to see the inclusion of Unit, Torchwood, and Sarah Jane, an 8 out of 10. Cheers, Sarah. 
Uh, a couple more on here. Caitlin Dalek, 100. Uh, story is actually really good. Rose Tyler returns, although I didn't like how she acted like the Doctor at one point. Uh, that's a letdown. It didn't feel like Rose, we know. Uh, I like the small concentration cap reference, though I don't get how it ties in with it. A 9 out of 10. Mm. Uh, Rick Moran from the Doctor Who Appreciation Society. Very short and sweet. Just says, cracking episode. Mm. Uh, DWD... Uh, sorry, Doctor Who Discussion Podcast says, uh, my favourite regeneration story, uh, Tissue. Oh, no, he's commenting on me watching Parting of the Ways last, the other night. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on. Edward Galuli. This episode uh, proved just how good an actress Catherine Tate is, and she easily carries the interesting Doctor Light episode a 6.5. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, what else? What else? What else? Uh, I think there was one more. I uh, hear Gallifrey Forever 97, Reese. Oh, uh, right. Uh, this episode is a testament and celebration of the RTD era. Catherine gives a standout performance as Donna with Billy's return to play Rose, an evolved Doctor type role since Doomsday. Uh, mm. An amazing idea, perfectly realised. A nine out of ten. See you at the BFI for Fenric. Indeed. Yes. Oh, we're going. Joe Bowers. We've got some more. Joe Bowers. He says, phenomenal. Catherine Tate is fantastic, but all the cast deserve credit as they're all amazing, along with RTD's bleak portrayal of Earth. In an eerily similar to our own, it really makes it difficult to watch, even though it's my favourite story. 11 out of 10. <laughs> 11. Simply faultless. Yeah. Uh, and that was the... Was that the last one? Potentially. Yes, that was the last one. And then we had a few over on Facebook. Uh, Kevin Mullen says, one of the very best things RTD ever wrote for the show. And as Charlie Turner said, one of the darkest stories that Doctor Who has ever done. Mm. Uh, Catherine Tate's performance is simply phenomenal and her scenes uh, with Bernard Cribbins are utterly heartbreaking, especially the scene with her Italian neighbours rounded off to be rehoused, quote-unquote. This isn't just good Doctor Who, this social commentary and his television at his very best. Ten drowned Time Lords out of ten. <laughs> Sorry for my absence, guys. No problem. Uh, and then his reference to Charlie Turner. Charlie says, easily one of the darkest stories that Doctor has ever done, the most since horror of Fang Rock. Mm. Rose is the most tolerable here since the Christmas invasion. A great <laughs> episode, and I never thought uh, they would go that far by including labor camps. Uh, that is just yeah. terrifying. My favorite episode of Series 4 and my second favorite of Tenants, a 10 out of 10. Second favorite. Mm. Joseph Howarth, such a fantastic episode from RTD. It's basically a story of what if the Doctor never existed and wasn't there to save the Earth all the time. It's a very bleak story, and I think Catherine Tate is at her best. Uh, I do have a small criticism with Rose, mainly on her performance. Uh, the half, half the time, you can't really understand. Half the time, she just sounds like she's got a load of gravel in her mouth <laughs> and just makes Christian Bale's Batman sound like a university student at Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> crikey joseph okay wow Don't uh, back. he said otherwise it's one of my favorite stories from series four so it gives it a 9.5 grab in her mouth bloody hell uh miles mckenzie absolutely adore this one it's a story which took far too long to tell however it was worth the wait because of the pure brilliance of rtd connecting mm. the era together and seeing it from a different perspective where the doctor is not around to stop it it's amazing yet so dark that the world fell apart Catherine Tate's performance was good to be true I don't think this episode could have been done by any other companion she was just mm. amazing and he goes on to give it a 9 out of 10 thank you very much Miles cool. uh, Yanto Williams these are short and sweet now last few um, he says absolute genius from Russell brings together the previous four seasons in one masterpiece can't get better than this Mm. Callum MacArthur, I love this one. My absolute fave from Series 4. Catherine Tate is just brilliant. 
alongside Billy Piper, give it a 9.5. And Lawrence Baxter says, superb episode from RTD. It was brilliant when it was first shown, and it's still brilliant 11 years later. 9.5 Bad Wolves out of 10. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <sighs> Crikey Moses, you guys really like this one. Yeah, no, there was no bad ones, was there? At no, all. No, it's easy no. to see why. Yeah. Yes. So thank you very much, guys, for all of your thoughts. I think the overall score is probably a 9.5 if we average it out, which is very good. What we got next week, bud? Next week, back to Sarah Jane Adventures, and it's called The Eternity Trap. Oh. Mm. Yeah, you can't wait for more Sarah Jane. It's going to be a good couple of weeks for who? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Yes, indeed. So, uh, yeah, Mm. get your DVDs or your Blu-rays out for that. We'll be asking for your thoughts as always. Um, now, it's a bit of a change to our normal proceedings live as we're recording. Uh, one of our good friends has sent across a press release, which is embargoed until 10 o'clock tonight. But by the time you listen to this, um, it will be fine anyway. So we're going to give you some news. Adam doesn't even know he's staring at me intently on Skype. Be? Before that, though, um, he has asked me to uh, point you over. So this is Rick Moran, who's at the Doctor Who Appreciation Society very, very kindly um, gives us the inside scoop, um, obviously sensibly, um, when he can, and he's given us this. But he has um, asked me to point you towards this cool charity event that's coming up um, for the DWAS, and it's the Terence Dick's um, charity art cards on their eBay store. So um, uh, the the DWAS, uh, in consultation with... Terence's family has produced some really cool target style items that they're going to sell uh, in their eBay store, which is going to raise funds for Save the Children, which is the charity chosen by Terence Dix's family. So I'll put a link in the show notes, but it's ebay.co.uk forward slash USR forward slash DWAS underscore auction. And they've got a set of really cool um, art cards. The first one is uh, The Abominable Snowmen by Chris Achilleos. The second one is The Face of Evil by Jeff Cummings. Uh, Warriors of the Deep by Andrew Skilleter and then Kinder by Alistair Pearson. Really nice looking art cards. And then in the second set, you can buy um, these really cool Terence Target style uh, pin badges, which is really cool. So head over to that. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, Some really nice artwork stuff there in the style of um, Terence's work. Um, It'd be really cool to to support those guys. And the press release um, now. So uh, Stephen Fry... And Sir Lenny Henry will appear in the 12th series of Doctor Who. With the TARDIS hurtling full throttle on its way back to BBC One, it is only right that two TV legends will be making their Doctor Who debut. Uh, Icons Stephen Fry and Sir Lenny Henry, CBE, will both appear in the series opener when the TARDIS lands once more, with Jodie Whittaker reprising her role as the 13th Doctor. Armed with a wealth of acting, comedy and writing credentials, both are more than equipped to come face-to-face with the Time Lord and her friends, uh, but they will be friend or foe, remains to be seen. And then, speaking ahead of his Doctor Who appearance, Stephen Fry said, Short of being picked for a British space exploration programme, I readily concede that I'm past the age where I'd be considered. That being um, in an episode of Doctor Who will certainly do a very sweet second place excitement. And then Lenny Henry said, it was absolutely brilliant to be welcomed into into the fantastical world of Doctor Who. The nearest I have been to the TARDIS when I was playing the Caribbean Doctor in the Lenny Henry show. So a lifelong hiding behind the sofa type of Doctor Who fan. This is a very special moment for me. And then Chris Chibnall closes out with, 
Doctor Who is coming back with a bang, with two great British icons in major roles. One of the greatest joys of Doctor Who is getting to work with actors from your wish list. Stephen Fry and Lenny are two of my absolute favourite actors, and to be able to bring them into Doctor Who in one of our biggest ever stories to kick off the new series as an absolute thrill. It still doesn't say the exact date, it just says Doctor Who will return in early 2020. Mm. Based off the rumours of late, that could be New Year's Day. So what do you reckon, dude? Lenny Henry and Stephen Fry. Wow, so this is hot off the press. Um, yeah, wasn't Stephen Fry rumoured to be writing a Doctor Who episode? I don't know, maybe that's um, not true then. If we had all the writers announced for series series 12 series i think 12. we have i think we? so yes yeah yep. so okay so he's not writing one then he's um starring in it uh yeah fine um uh, i like steven i'm not a massive fan of lenny henry if i'm honest um but he's like a lot of people uh probably quite a good actor being a comedian so yeah but yeah that's that's cool <laughs> that's about as much <laughs> as i can say on that one really oh, i'm not <laughs> uh, i don't know and <laughs> um yeah yeah. I like um, Stephen Fry. I was going to say, I'm a big fan of Stephen Fry. I think he could yeah. be cool. Lenny Henry, oh, I don't know. He's a bit, he's great. Well, he's very funny. I can, can we assume he's going to be, actually no, because he was in, um, I was going to say, he was in Broadchurch, wasn't he? Yeah, he is. A, he's probably a good actor, actually. Yeah. Well, he was in Broadchurch series two. Was it series two or one? Anyway. And he wasn't, he wasn't, comedic, uh, he wasn't the comedy factor at all. He yeah. played a very straight role, and he was actually pretty good. So this could They're be cool, probably, buddy. Could be cool. Both be good. So they're going to be in the opening episode, right? Yes, the opening two. Well, certainly the first one, yeah. Okay, interesting. Very interesting, yeah. Thank you so much to Rick from the Dwas for sending that over. Very timely as well as we're recording. So hot mm. off the press. Like doing a, it's like doing a Doctor Who radio show. <laughs> yeah, this is better than that. Yeah. Uh, so there. I think Cheers, that's a, a, a really good time to uh, to close out the show and wrap for two four seven. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with this quite long show this week. We had plenty to waffle on and complain about um, in this one uh, plus we uh, we just had a, an amazing story to um to talk through so um yeah it's been very very cool thank you so much of you to sending in your audio clips your reviews and also on twitter and facebook letting us know your thoughts for this story it really does make that part of the show just so amazing yeah. hearing what you guys think of it and and all that stuff so next week then the Sarah Jane Adventures the Eternity Trap so get that watched and keep an eye out on the socials it's normally on a Monday uh, we ask you guys what you think of that episode ready for that week until then head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of the shows on there plus all of our different articles from our writers they put out some really cool reviews and general um, articles over there really really cool uh, remember to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you choose to listen to podcasts on. Just do a search for us, the Big Blue Box podcast. Give us a sub so that you don't miss a show when that lands every Friday. And we're on the socials as well. Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Just do a search for the Big Blue Box podcast. You'll see us on there. And uh, yeah, we chat Doctor Who and whatnot throughout the week. So get involved over there. Uh, head over to my co-host channel over on YouTube, The Geek's Handbag. Ah, oh, yes, the old Geek's Handbag. 
the old Geeks Handbag indeedy. <laughs> Loads of really cool videos <laughs> over there. Um, to get lost into, just grab a cup of tea, go and check that out, give Adam a sub. Uh, and Adam's also on the socials as well, under mm. the same name, the Geeks Handbag. Uh, so just do a search for him. And like I said, we chat plenty of Doctor Who during the week in the run-up to each episode and just general when stuff's happening, when stuff's not happening and, and all that stuff. So uh, get involved Indeed. over there. We will be back next week for episode 248. Until then, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Uh, 